Hey, this is D-Sider. You're listening to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Hell yeah. Welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with Dr. Fuck and the Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley, better known as Wadzilla. So enjoy another awesome, incredible episode of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Bam, 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 diddly dee. Well, all right, it is I, Dr. Fuck, with... Oh, yeah! Ian Wadley, and this is part two of our review of 1983, because this is a long, long episode. And uh, we're going to carry on part two uh, with wherever the fuck we left off of part one. So what do you say we play that pre-recorded shit now, Ian? All righty. Here's one that I have absolutely no input on. And, and don't even desire any input. But you, too, might be able to shine some light on this. Something I've never heard, I never want to hear, was a side project called HSAS, otherwise known as Hagar, Sean, oh Arnson, and Shreve. Oh, gosh. And this is, this is Sammy Hagar, Neil Sean from Journey, Kenny Arneson on bass, who's played for about a million different people, and Mike Shreve, who's played for Santana. And they released it album, and I've, I'm told this has a cult following. Uh, but I know I would fucking hate it because the lead singer is worse to me than Hitler and Osama Bin Laden added together. Uh, <laughs> Ralph, are you familiar with this album? Yes, man. This sucks, dude, because I kind of like it, and it, it... And I hate giving this guy any type of praise, but you got to remember, this is before Van Hagar, before he ruined one of my favorite bands. I'm a big fan of Neil Sean. I, MTV actually showed a full concert of this. And I'm a big Neil Sean fan. I love his guitar playing. And um, I think it's pretty damn good. I think um, there's a cover on the album. Was it Whiter Shade of Pale, I think? Um, Yes, yes, a song nobody should cover. I thought it was good. I thought it was a really good. I like the song Top of the Rock was good on there. Hot and Dirty was cool. I mean, I'm not saying this is like, I would never put this pick of the week. Let, let me put it that way. But I do like it. I don't think it's a bad album. I think it's um, commendable. Uh, you know, I'm a big fan of the first mantras and HSAS is like the second best thing Sammy Hagar has ever been a part of. Um, I'm not a fan of his song. I know a lot of people are like, well, I don't like Sammy Hagar, but I like I don't like Van Hagar, but I like his soul shit. Well, I don't identify with that. I like one song he did solo-wise, and it's a deep track called I Don't Need Love, which uh, probably not a lot of people know. It's off Three Life Box. I do like that song. But other than that, I do, I do, I haven't listened to HSAS in years, decades, but I own it on vinyl. I do own it. And I remember I did like it back when it came out, so that's what I got to say about it. And it hurts for me to praise it. Uh, well, before I get to you, Mike, uh, Ralph, let me ask you this. When, and eventually I will come see you in Miami. Uh, if, if I give you 20 bucks, will you let me burn this? Will you sell it to me and let me burn it? How about if I give you 20 <laughs> I, I, I tell you what, not only did I expand in girth, but but link thank you hey and I you know you know what's funny the album cover's on fire <laughs> it is yeah it's like 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, there's a fucking flamer too. Yeah, you know, it's uh, an album I can right. live without, so yeah, you can. Now, I, I gotta go uh, to Mike Tyler, which, unfortunately, Mike, you live in close proximity uh, to St. Louis. Oh, which man. It is known for three horrible things. Uh, Anheuser-Busch, Sammy <laughs> fans, and the St. Louis Cardinals. Hey, 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 leave my goddamn Cardinals alone here. <laughs> God. All right, I already know this isn't going to end well. Mike, what do you think of Cardinals H-S-A? But I will say this. Uh, I liked it when it came out. I'm Look, you guys can understand. I know I say I like Hagar, but I'm not a huge Sammy fan. Um, do I think it's one of the better projects he was involved with? Fucking right. Why? Neil Schoen was one of them. Um, but, I mean, I like Sammy, but it's like a casual like. It's not like I was never a hardcore Hagar. Okay, I don't own a fucking Sammy Hagar record, so that ought to tell you something right there. Do I like Sammy? Yeah. Do I like some of his songs, solo-wise and Matros? Yes. But I'm not a hardcore Hagar fan. Never. Okay. I'm sorry, Mike. You're breaking up. It sounded like you said something nice about Sammy Hagar. So we're gonna go to the next album on the list. Good move. And and, and that is by. But he ruined, he ruined Van Halen. I do totally agree with you guys on that. Fuck Van Hagar. Fuck it up its ass. I fucking hate that shit. Hey, look, Mike agrees with science. Oh, I hate Van Hagar. And I don't see how anybody can defend it. Mark. There's people out there that'll defend it, and I'm like, are you fucking deaf? Nate. It owes. Yeah. True. What's next, Ian? All right. Here's a band from north of the border. I'm talking about Helix. Oh, man. And they're 1983... <laughs> Uh, if you want to call it a hit, probably it's well, it's their major label debut, probably one of their most known records. No rest for the wicked. Are you familiar with this one, Ralph? I own it, and I don't. I'm not familiar with it. I do actually have the vinyl because there's a record store. It's not even a record store. There's this thing called Urban. Oh, I forgot the name of it. Urban some shit. It's a chain store. Urban where? where I forgot. Whatever. Well, they have vinyl in there. They have used vinyl, and they had this one for one buck, and it had heavy metal love. And I like that song, so I bought the vinyl, and I've yet to put it on. So all I can say is I like the song Heavy Metal Love, but I don't know the rest of this album. All right. Senior Tyler. Who are we talking <laughs> Sorry. I'm a little fucked up. Who are we talking about? Helix. How, 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 how does it? How does this happen? Every time we have a guest, they get more fucked up than me. <laughs> and, I, and I've been drinking since 10 in the morning. And let me tell you something. <laughs> Keep drinking, Mike, so we can hold, we can, Ian can still hold that record of everybody passing out before Ian, where Ian drinks more than all of us. Yes! Uh, Mike, we are talking about Canadian cock rock extraordinaires, Helix. Oh, Helix. Um, Do you know the album? Not really. <laughs> the only no rest for the wicked do, I know is the do one you, by do you know? I, do you know uh, Heavy Metal Love, the song? I do remember that song. All right, yeah. You like that one? Uh, it's all right. All I can right. take it or it, honestly. I, I, saw, mean, I saw Helix, by the way. It was, oh, uh, it was 
uh, I discussed this on the episode with Keel, and Keel remembers playing that show. It was except Helix and Keel. I remember Keel. Yeah, I remember. You know, yeah. except obviously, I know who they I, are. I like all those bands except Keel. <laughs> I'm not. I'm a Keel I mean, fan. I'm sorry. I, I'm not a. I mean, I, I I don't know enough about Helix really to accurately judge them. I'm sorry to say, you know. All right, well, I know two Helix songs, and that's Heavy Metal Love and Rock You. I love Rock You. That shit's so cheesy. Give me an R. R. And I love the way I love the way that I love the way the singer in the video shows off that he's missing teeth. <laughs> you ever notice that? Yeah. It, it's it's like, are you Canadian or do you live next door to Justin Childers? Out or or uh, or or what's his name? Uh, jo- uh, the guy, Josh Carlson, from England. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, let's go on to an album that I know you guys can talk about, so I can take a hot steam and piss. This is a metal masterpiece. If you say no, you're wrong. I'm talking about the one and only Iron Maiden. The album is Peace of Mind. Oh, yeah. Why don't you take this? Go for it, Mike. You go. You're, you're, okay. I love Peace of Mind. It's probably my... Man, it's really hard. It's probably my favorite Bruce Dickinson Iron Maiden album. Okay. Again, um, mainly because... Uh, it was the first Iron Maiden album I bought with my own money, <laughs> you know. Um, so, like, my older brother, he got, you know, the first Maiden, Di- you know, the Diano Maiden, and, of course, you know, um, oh, Number of the Beast. And, you know, Peace of Mind was the first album that I bought with my own money. And, yeah, I just absolutely love that record. I mean, where Eagles Dares, uh, Flight of Icarus, probably one of my all-time favorite Maiden songs. Fucking The Trooper. I mean, I, I don't think there's really a bad song on this record, man. I love this album. It's a fucking great, great record. I'm with Ian. I think, as far as I'm concerned, it's a fucking masterpiece. Okay. I think the first right, six, five, six Iron Maiden albums are untouchable. Alright, I happen to love this album. Don't get me wrong. It's going to sound like I'm slamming it. I'm not. But I will not go as far as say it's a masterpiece because I've never been a fan of Quest for Fire. Um, I've, I don't feel like Revelations has aged well with me and Die With Your Boots On goes on a little too long with the chorus at the end, but the rest I absolutely adore. Where Eagles Dare, I feel, is the greatest opening track on any Bruce Dickinson, um, Iron Maiden album. That drum beat, that drum beat that starts it is so epic. And, uh, yeah, I love The Trooper, I love Still Life and, and To Tame a Lamb. Album with Eco or was it... Yeah, it's the first album. It's the first album with Nico. Yeah, Clyde Burr was on... on uh, Number of the Beast. Yeah. Which, personally, I think Clyde was a better drummer. I, I mean, but Nico's no slouch, man. And no, Nico's I, great. Nico's great. I okay. prefer Clyde as well, but I love Nico. Um, but, I mean, dude, like you said, the opening track, it just it's just like a kapow right yeah. to the nuts, man. And yep. I absolutely love this record. Like I said, part of it for me is... You know, because I do. I, I'm, I'm a big softie, and I have sentimental attachments to certain albums. Even though, like, for instance, um, my favorite Slayer album, believe it or not, is South of Heaven. Now, do I think it's their greatest work? Probably not. But 
that's the record where I finally was like, okay. You know, because when I first heard Slayer, I don't know, maybe I should shut up. We can get into this later. But they scared. Yeah, we'll get into that later. Okay, go ahead. Time restraints. <laughs> All, All right. right. What do you feel? Well, you, oh, I just want to say one final thing. Sun and Steel, amazing deep track. Go ahead, Ian. Oh, yeah. All right. What you just heard was Ralph say this is not a masterpiece. Yes. And uh, that wasn't his honest critique of this album. That was a new commercial for unpopular metal opinion. <laughs> because this is a fucking masterpiece. There's only one bad song on this, and that's if you bought the reissue. Then there's a horrible cover of a horrible band called Montrose and a horrible song called I Got the Five. Oh, I disagree. I love it. I like their yeah, version more than Montrose. Oh, you had your time! Sorry. All right. Oh, there's Four. nine songs on this masterpiece, and every one of them is great. I love Quest for Fire. I love Son of Steel. To tame a land, you want to talk about a lost classic that nobody brings up. I don't think it ever got played other than this tour. Uh, absolute masterpiece. <laughs> this proved that, you know, Number of the Beast wasn't a fluke. I think this album is far superior to Number of the Beast. Uh, even though I, I love it, I think it gets more credit than it's due. And I love every track on that. I love the shit people don't like, like Gangland and Invaders. I love both of those. But I think this is where they really find, you know, the, the, the new era of Iron Maiden. Yes, you do have a step down drumming-wise, but, you know, still love Nico. But where Nico is more pedestrian and re is repetitive, uh, Clyde Burr was much more adventurous. But and they, they really gel out. I'm talking! Sorry. <laughs> I absolutely love this fucking album. <laughs> It's a made masterpiece. Let's go on the next album because there is time restraints. Well, you might be familiar with this band. Uh, you might not know this, but in 1983, they took off their makeup and uh, released a little ditty called Lick It Up. What do you think of that one? Uh, this album, I am definitely in love with. Minus the, bonus, uh, minus the title track. I think this album is one of the greatest Kiss albums. I don't think Kiss has made an album as good as this since this album. Though I'm a big fan of Monster and Asylum, uh, I still feel both those albums are not even a pimple of the ass of Lick It Up. You know, it, it contains my all-time favorite Kiss song, uh, Young and Wasted, Exciter, not, not for the Innocent, All Hell's Breaking Loose, Millions of One, oh my God. Dance Over Your Face is like, eh. But it's okay, I can tolerate it. And I love, love, love On the Eighth Day. A song that gets criticized a lot, but I love it. And another glowing example, why Vinnie Vincent saved Kiss. Go ahead, Mike, what do you think? Dr. Fuck, I couldn't agree more. To me, the greatest non-makeup Kiss album. Fucking hands down. I'm sorry, fuck you revenge lovers and asylum lovers, even though I like that those albums. Lick it up. Man, dude, other than the title track, I never did like that song, really. I was like, oh, fuck, what the fuck? But my brother Mark, being the Kiss fucking fanatic he was, he went ahead and bought the album, and boy, was I glad he did. Because, I mean, dude, Exciter, opening track, man. Just I, another fucking song I love. Young and Wasted. Um, Gene, you know, that's a killer Gene song. The whole album, really. Other than... Uh, Lick it up. I, I love it. I love it, man. You know, and yes. Awesome. Yep. Yeah. It's a safe kiss. 
That's uh, it. Yeah, I, I think it's great. Uh, an album that reminded me about Kiss. Ian's talking. <laughs> After uh, Dynasty, and this let the world know they were back. Of course, taking off the makeup, uh, you know, put them back on everybody's radar. I don't hate the title track as much as everybody else does, but yeah, I am sick of it. Uh, I believe I believe this is even better than Creatures of the Night, and I know that's an unpopular metal opinion, <laughs> but uh, I will put this on before that, and I think it's solid through and through. Uh, you know, people say, oh, look it up, yeah, but you know what, uh, you know, fucking Creatures of the Night has Danger, too, which uh, ain't all that great. Not too uh, and it also features uh, my seventh favorite Kiss guitar player, Rick Derringer, <laughs> on, uh, on the first song, Cider. I think it's an absolute uh, masterpiece. This is part of like a, a holy trinity where Kiss pretended they were a metal band. Because I'm going to tell you right now, I don't give a fuck what anybody says. Kiss isn't a metal band. They're a hard rock band. They and dabbled they were, in metal. They were grasping at straws here. Uh, trying to remain relevant, and that's why Creatures of the Night, Lick It Up, and Animalize are their metal records, because that was, was popular. As soon as it went towards Cock Rock, that's, even though I love Asylum, they, they were jumping trends. They jumped trends. The, the last real Kiss album was Love Gun. Everything yeah. after that was jumping trends. Dynasty is disco. I don't give a fuck. Oh, only, uh, I was made for... No, fuck you. Sure know something is disco. Dirty Living is disco. Dirty it's good, disco, but yeah. it's disco. Yeah, I got news for I'm talking! I'm sorry. Um, okay, bye. Uh, you know, fucking Elder is fucking Prague. They kept jumping on whatever trend was popular. <laughs> Alice Cooper did the same fucking thing. They lost their identity and just started jumping on trends. But I love when they pretended to be a metal band. And I love Lick It Up. Great fucking record. What's next? Uh, all right, the next one is a band from uh, Baltimore called Kicks. And their album, Cool Kids. Do you remember this one, Ralph? Boy, no, I don't. And just by the title, I know I wouldn't buy this shit. <laughs> cool Kids, what the fuck? No, I don't know this album at all, and I'm not a fan. I like the song Midnight Dynamite, that's it. Because it was, on, right. it was on a compilation I got called Power or something. Some guy put it up on uh, on the Rock and Metal Combat podcast. Hey, look, I got this compilation. I'm pretty cool. I was, then I put up a picture of me holding it. He's like, holy fuck, I thought I was the only one. I go, dude, I'm Dr. Fuck, bro. All right, Mike, are you familiar with Kicks Cool Kids? I got nothing. <laughs> no, me neither. I don't know that one. I'm sorry. I'm there with you. I didn't know Kicks until fucking Blow My Fuse came along, and then I saw a video years later uh, for, I, I believe it was the title track, uh, or no, it was for the song Body Talk. It was so fucking horrible. Oh, I, I know this, that song. Yeah, it's terrible. This I, band so worshipped around uh, Baltimore, and I do like some of their songs. I love Blow My Fuse. I like the, the album after that, but the shit I heard before it, oh my God made uh you know bon jovi sound like fucking uh fucking bathory i mean it was fucking really bad and uh yeah i've got nothing to add on this so now we go to another classic slab of metal route this is something you and i both talked about 
So we're going to throw it to Mike Tyler first. Mike, what do you think of the 1983 Crocus Classic head up? Oh, I love it. Crocus is a great band. Didn't you guys do a review on this album? Yeah, that's why That's why Ian and I should not talk about it at all. You want to know what we think? Go listen to that episode. Right, Ian? That's right. Mike, you talk about it. Oh, shit. Uh, yeah, I like Crocus. I mean, I was never like a hardcore Crocus fan, but I love that record. I remember when my brother bought the album. I liked it. And I also remember the first time I heard it, I was like, well, holy fuck, man. This guy sounds kind of like Bon Scott. If Brian Johnson ever wanted to quit, ACDC could always get this guy. Of course, we all know what they did. They went and got Axl Rose instead. But, yeah, I mean, I like Crocus. Cool band, man. Good stuff. All right, cool. What, what, what's next, Ian? All right. Now, here's one I don't know, Ralph. I believe you might know. And this is by a band from Japan called Loudness. And they released two new albums, but this is the studio album, The Law of Devil's Island. Are you familiar with this one? Great album. I own it. That's when they sang in Japanese. Oh, really? Yeah, it's a Japanese sung album. It has ah. the song In the Mirror that was later recorded with Mike Becerra on vocals where they made a video for it. It's a smoking track. I love uh, early, like, Devil's Child and uh, what was that other one? Um, I mean, Devil's Soldier. Uh, early Loudness is great, but you know if you can if you can deal with Japanese singing you know, in Japanese uh, you know language, then totally check out this album. It's fucking amazing. Awesome. What about you, Mike? I got a piece. <laughs> All right. Uh, All right. But I, I do like Loudness. Good band, uh, and and yeah, that's a good album. I'll be back. All right. All right. What's that? I, yeah, I'm just going to say, I only know one loudness song ever, and that's that, hey, 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 that's the only loudness song I know. MZA, right? Rock and Roll Crazy Nights? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, but what I just want to say, though, is uh, I want to check this out, because if it's so good that you still enjoy it, even though it's in Japanese, that must mean it's pretty good fucking metal. And I'm not that type of person. I don't like bands... There's another band I, I like uh, called, uh, oh my God, fuck. I, I can't remember now. Maldito. Uh, they, well, because they sing in Spanish. They, I, I, I like them too. Oh, Angel del Infierno. Uh, that's the only two bands I listen to that sing in different languages that I, that I enjoy. Right like, on. I, I hate Latin La Mancha. Oh, okay. All right. Well, let's talk. I know you know this one. And uh, this is a band from upstate New York. Uh, I don't know if you love them more or fucking Greg Barnes loves them more because the way they look. I'm talking about Man of War and their second album, Into Glory Ride. Oh, yeah, I love that one. Oh, do I love that album. Um, uh, have you ever heard this album, Ian? Uh, a while ago, but not enough to comment. It's pretty funny the way it starts. It's like a whole minute of a guy fucking a girl, and then his parents walk in, and his parents are like, she's only 13! And then he runs out laughing. It's pretty wild. And it goes into a song called Warlord that's pretty kick-ass. Loves the metal rules. Uh, my favorite song on the album is Revelation, Death Angel. March of Revenge is fucking awesome. Hatred is a doomy killer classic. Gates of Valhalla. Great fucking album. I love me some Man of War, and this is a classic killer fucking Man of War album. Uh, yeah, the album covers them in the loincloth, pretty easy, but 
Great fucking, great fucking album. I love it. Interplay Ride is a classic in, in the Vieira household. Even even uh, Dr. Fuck, before he died, he, he liked it too. This is what I definitely need to go back and check. I know I listened to it once, but probably in the background. Uh, I'm what you'd call a casual Man of War fan. And, uh, you know, the, the album that preceded this and the album after it got more attention. So I check those out more Battle Hems and Hail to England. Uh, Battle Hems came out before, by, by the way. Yes, yes, Battle Hymns was before, and then Hail to England, this is her second. And Hail to England got more attention, so I checked out those albums more, but uh, definitely on your recommendation, I'll go back and check this one out. Love it. First album with the great, late, great Scott Columbus on drums. Is uh, is Mike back? Yes, I am. What do you think of Into Glory Ride from Manowar? Do you know this album? Um, I'm somewhat familiar with it. It's funny about Manowar. They're a band that was kind of... Um, I, I'm sorry to say I kind of prejudged them. The loincloth thing was just, I'm like, okay, it's just too cheesy for me. But over time, as I got more familiar with their music and their discography, um, I've, I've had a lot more respect for Man of War than I did initially in 1983, if that makes any sense, you know? Right, cool. Uh, I, I like My nephew, Kane, absolutely fucking loves Man of War, which makes sense because he loves power metal. And I think Man of War were definitely a huge influence on uh, power metal. So, yeah, great band. Great band. Well, there's like three huge influences on power metal. And, you know, Rainbow, Man of War, and Virginity. (laughs) You know. (laughs) Ingve <laughs> uh, Malmsteen too. Got to give him a lot of credit for the oh, yeah. Ingve was a huge influence too. The Rising Force album. That's total, total power metal. Oh, big time, dude. Big time. Yeah, I agree. Next, next album. Okay, well, I definitely have to give uh, first talk on this to Ralph because this is not only one of his favorite albums. This is his favorite band of the '80s. I'm talking about oh. Merciful Fate and Melissa. My God. Life-changing, game-changing. Uh, this album has aged so well. Just like anything Mer- uh, Merciful Fate did in the 80s, this is the perfect band. Uh, I, unlike a lot of people, including Ian, I believe. I, I could be wrong, Ian. I'm sorry. Ian, Ian, by the way, you there? Yes. I'm yes, talking! Sir. That's why I was quiet. I know. I just want to just remind you I was talking. Um, uh, this album, dude, I and this shows you, you know, uh, uh, how I love to show my age, how I love to brag how I'm fucking old. I bought this album when it came out. I was aware of Merciful Fate before this album came out because I owned the EP, thanks to my friend Milo. And when Melissa came out where I saw it on Kerrang! Magazine, the Bible of Metal back then, now it sucks. Uh, at an import store, I saw Melissa. I'm at the fucking import store looking at this magazine, and I see Merciful Fate knew I'm Melissa, and I was like, oh my God, I ran up to the counter, I go, please order this, order this, order this. And you know, they, these people knew me, they called, oh, we got that Melissa out, man. I'm on my way, I used to catch a bus, dude, 90 minutes on a bus to get to this fucking place. I bought this album, took it home, mind blowing, and to this day, it's hard for me it's hard for me to pick what's the best Merciful Fate album. Melissa, Don't Break the Oath, or the EP, because I think the EP is just as good as Don't Break the Oath of Melissa. But 
If you were to put an apes infested dick in front of my face, I would have to pick Melissa before I suck it. All right, Mike. That dick is pointing at you. Dude. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. Great fucking band. Great album. I remember when my brother bought this album, man, and I looked at the cover and I was like, oh my God, it's the most, I, you know, so I already fall in love with him just on the cover alone. Then he puts the record on and I got to admit, man, King Diamond freaked me out first time I heard him, man. That, you know, because his vocal styling is just so odd, but yet it works. And I mean, yeah, dude, from the opening track, Evil, I mean, Curse the Pharaohs into the Coven. There's not a bad fucking track on this album. And I totally agree with Dr. Fuck. In my opinion, when it comes to a traditional metal, Merciful Fate was the greatest metal band of the 80s. Well, hell yeah. Ian's about to talk! <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I don't mean to come up. No, 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 no. Okay, it's his it's, turn. It's, okay, bye. You crack me up when you do that, Ian. Okay. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, this is one I've grown to love through Dr. Fuck uh, because, man, you know, I, I've said it before, when I first heard King Diamond, it sounded like a cat getting fucking anally raped by Donald Trump with no Tic Tacs in his mouth. It was fucking horrible. Uh, but, you know, years went on because he was so well-respected, I gave him another chance, but it was just, you know, the King Diamond solo discography. I really never went back to Merciful Fate till I met Ralph and, uh, Man, was was I pleasantly surprised. The music is top-notch. Uh, the vocals I've learned to appreciate. Saw King Diamond live, you know, solo was amazing. I wish I could have seen, you know, this lineup. Never because have. Never traditional metal at its finest. I'm talking! Traditional metal at its finest. Um, absolutely love it. Has my favorite all-time um Merciful Fate song, Curse of the Pharaohs. Uh, but I might say, like, you know, Ralph said, you know, uh, AIDS are in dick in my face, pick a favorite. I don't know. I, the, the one I was most pleasantly surprised with was the EP. But this would this would probably be my, my second. Uh, Into the Coven, Black Funeral, Satan's Fall, Melissa. I, I mean, Evil, all of these are absolute classics, and What's even more important is all the shit that it inspired. Uh, you know, bands that we know and love. Like Thrash or Die. Come, yeah, like Thrash or Die that wouldn't come close. Thrash or Die with their original vocalist, Dr. Fuck. Yeah, rest in peace. You know, God rest his soul. Rest in peace, fatty. Uh, yeah. Uh, great band. Uh, instant classic. Next album. All right. Now, here's a little band from uh, San Francisco by way of L.A. And a little album called Kill Em All. Mike Tyler, what do you think? Um, absolute masterpiece. I mean, it's it's Kill Em All. I mean, yeah. I gotta be honest, though. First time I heard Metallica was when that album came out. And it freaked me out. You know, I was more into the traditional metal thing. And, and this was like, whoa, what is this new sound that I have to take in? I'll, I'll never forget it, man. I, it, it, it was like, whoa. A little too, it was a little too much for me at the time, but by the time I heard Ride the Lightning, I was done and hardcore Metallica fan after that. But, 
yeah, uh, you know, Kill 'Em All. It's it's the fucking, in my opinion, the blueprint for thrash metal, or at least one of them. It, you know, maybe you add that on with Exodus is Bonded by Blood. It's it's a great great fucking debut album, and there's really what can I say about Kill 'Em All or Metallica that hasn't already been said? The original lineup rules. Rest in peace, Cliff Burton. I'm done. Ralph. Yes, uh, I think it is the very first thrash album complete. You had your little elements with Fast as a Shark, and, you know, a little bit of, you know, some of that British heavy metal stuff. But this is the one that was 24-7 thrash, the crunch, uh, an amazing album, flawless. Uh, and it's an album that I changed my mind on, like uh, like uh, when I did with Killers, now I think Iron Maiden's the best album. For a while there, I would say Master of Puppets was the best uh, Metallica album, but no, it, it, it is Kill Em All. And by the way, just recently some guy wrote on YouTube that, because uh, back when I thought Master of Puppets was the best um, Metallica album, we did a show, uh, it was the big four, it was me and my, my buddies. And uh, some guy left a comment saying, um, I just saw this comment today actually saying, wow, for a guy that sings No Pozo Loud and your favorite Metallica album is uh, Master of Puppets. Wow, pop me kettle, poser. And and I'm like, well, it's no longer Master of Puppets, kill them all, but fuck you, man. How the fuck? And you know this motherfucker wasn't alive back in 86 or was too young to understand how great of an impact Master of Puppets had back then. But Master of Puppets is a fucking great fucking album. And anybody that thinks that you're a poser for liking it, um... I hope you suck an AIDS-infested dick with no album, favorite album to choose from. Thank you. Their opinion is irrelevant. Exactly. Now. Masters of Puppets is a fucking masterpiece. It is. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. If you don't like this, what Ralph said, I hope you suck Justin Childers' AIDS-ridden dick. Uh, Yeah, Master of Puppets may be their most uh, cohesive record. Uh... Like all around, it deserves every bit of respect that it gets. And where I agree with Ralph is, I used to go back and forth. You know, when I fully, fully became invested in Metallica, they were part of my DNA. You know, at least you know '80s era Metallica. Uh, I was often like Ralph. I would go back and forth. Normally, I would lean towards uh, Red Lightning as my favorite album, though, uh, just, just because it's the perfect mixture between Kill 'em All and uh and Master Puppets and you actually see that like progression you know where it got you know it was a fine diamond by the time it got to Master Puppets but as time goes on I have to say my appreciation for Kill 'em All just grows and grows and it's more so for the lesser known songs than you know what everybody knows, you know, you know, Whiplash and, and Four Horsemen. Uh, to me, it's more about songs like Phantom Lord and Motor Breath and, and you know, um, to a lesser extent, Jump in the Fire. Fuck you. Yeah. You know, the, the stuff that not every, you know, there's people who know this album like, oh, yeah, I know that one. That's the one with the Four Horsemen. But it's much deeper than that. And it's those deep cuts that really show you how this whole thrash revolution that we love really came to fruition and and all the blueprint the dna is right there on this amazing album 
that even even you know anybody listen to this even if you know this album and you like it st- go back right now pause this shit and listen to it again just with a fresh set of ears put on some headphones do some drugs listen to kill them all you won't be disappointed well all right uh before we keep going ian uh Mike left. He had to go to work. So uh, we're going to carry on the 83 Extravaganza. And what is next? Next is a band from your neck of the woods. Well, same state. I'm talking about the most unmetal band with the most metal covers. Molly Hatchet. Oh, yeah. What album was it? No Guts, No Glory. Yeah, um, I'm familiar with this album. Uh, there is one song on the sound that's really good. It's called Fall of the Peacemaker. You ever heard that song? Yes. Yes, I have. I be- believe one of the verses is about uh, John Lennon. Yeah, um, there's verses about John Lennon, also talking about JFK. Yeah, yeah, it's different people. It's a cool song. Um, but I don't recall what else is on that album, to tell you the truth. I know yeah, this, this is the album that jo- Danny Joe Brown came back to the band. Correct. Yeah, he was gone for a while. Or I think one or two albums. No, I think it was just Beating the Odds, right? No, there was Take, uh, Take No Prisoners, right before that? Yeah, yeah, Take No Prisoners, yeah. yeah Take No Prisoners was before that. I believe they still had that uh, that fat guy, uh, Jimmy Farrar. That obese dude was their singer. Great voice on that dude. Yeah. We were beating the odds, we were beating the odds. But... Uh, <laughs> I have I have the first three Molly Hatchet albums on vinyl. I may have No Guts, No Glory, though. I may have it on vinyl that I probably bought recently for a buck somewhere. I think I do. But, uh, yeah, man, you know, you, are you aware, Ian, that I was at Danny Joe Brown's funeral? Yes, I, I remember you telling me that story. Yeah, it was right there. That's in, crazy. Yeah, it was in Hollywood, Florida, and it was like they announced it on the radio. If you wanted to go, you know, they gave me the address. I said, fuck yeah, man. I love Danny Joe Brown. I love Molly Hatchet. I own the Danny Joe Brown band. His solo album is called the Danny Joe Brown and the Danny Joe Brown Band. <laughs> I swear. And it has a song on there called Edge of Sundown that was a staple of really early MTV. And it's kind of like a Freebird type song where it's kind of mellow and it has this extended solo at the end and it's fucking badass. Now, uh... Correct me if I'm wrong, weren't they a Jacksonville band, though? I believe so. I know they were from Florida. Okay, yeah, I thought they were from... Uh, no, I just... I found it odd that he was buried down, you know, in Hollywood, you know. For those of you who don't know, Hollywood's not too far from, uh, you know, from Miami, and Miami's at the opposite end of the state of Jacksonville. Yeah, it's eight uh, hours... It's eight, eight hours south of Jacksonville. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I was there, and... Uh, yeah, he died of diabetes. Yes, yes, and, and that's why he originally left, uh, I believe. Oh, I thought he was fired. Uh, I could be wrong, though. No, I, I believe he, he was just having problems performing live, like his health being on the road was real hard on him, and that's why he stepped down. I believe it was like totally, you know, they didn't want him to go, he didn't want to go, but he was just having too much health problems. Right. At, at the time. So. What a shame. Yeah, he's a uh, great singer, man. I, I got oh, to yeah. see classic. I saw them reunite, too. No, it wasn't. This was 83. I saw them. I saw uh, a reunion, because I guess, or maybe he stayed in the band the whole time, but I saw 
Molly Hatcher with Danny Joe Brown in the late 80s, but I also saw the Flirting with Disaster Tour opening for Bob Seger at the Miami Baseball Stadium. That was bad. Oh, wow. That, oh, wow. that was the original with Bruce Crump, who, who I believe recently died, or died like a year ago, the drummer. Uh, right on. You know, it's like three, four people in this band are dead now. You know, yeah. Something about these southern rock bands, the guy from the Outlaws is dead, Moses Skinner. I think pretty much everybody in Skinner's dead, but uh, Rossington and, I mean, from the original lineup, I believe it's only Rossington left. Because right. the, the original drummer, uh, Bob Burns, recently, well, died like a year or so ago. Oh, no, no, um, Ed King is still alive. That's right, Ed King was on the first, he was on Pronounced, right? He was on. He was on a few of them. He he he's. Uh, he was on second helpings. He was on. Well, I know he was on a couple, but I was just trying to remember. Yeah. yeah. He, okay. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and funny enough, the original drummer of uh, Leonard Skinner was Ricky Medlock, who's that's now, right. Who's now their their guitar player, the guy that led Blackfoot. Correct. And uh, another little notation for this uh, Molly Hatchet album. It was her first one not to have the the fantasy cover. Yeah, it's, it's like like a western type thing, right? Yeah, yep. At a uh, it was shot at Six Gun Territory, a now defunct theme park from Ocala, Florida, or in Ocala, Florida. Yeah, Ocala's a little more central. Yeah. All righty. Well, what do we got coming up next? Oh shit! Now here's somebody. It was very busy in 1983, and that's Gary Moore. Oh, yeah. Gary, <laughs> Gary Moore has four albums that were released in 83, even though one of them was recorded a few years earlier, but uh, ones that finally saw the light day in 83 were Dirty Fingers, Victims of the Future, uh, Rockin' Every Night, Live in Japan, and Live at the Marquee. Yeah, I guess the only one we should talk about is Victim of the Future, because that's the only... That's the studio release of that year. Right. Well, Dirty Fingers, Dirty Fingers was recorded in 81, but it didn't see release until 83. Like, 83 in Japan and then 84 in the rest of the world. Yeah, Dirty Fingers but, is spotty, though. You know, that one's like, eh, Victim of Changing is fucking awesome. Oh, hell yeah. But, you know, D Dirty Fingers does have Nuclear Attack, and that's a badass song. Man. That's the highlight of that fucking album. But, um... But Victim of the Future, whoa, man. Fucking Murders in the Sky, the title track, the, the, the cover to Shapes of Things where they did a video for. Uh, oh, which, I never saw the video. Yeah, it was on MTV and Night Flight, too, back then. Empty Rooms, Great Ballad. Uh, I can't remember what else is on that. Law of the Jungle. Uh, good shit. That, that's a good, great album, actually. That's one of... It's my second favorite Gary album. My, f my favorite would be Corridors. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Uh, and uh, another noteworthy mention about this album is Ian Pace from Deep Purple's on drums. Well, he was uh, on drums on... Uh, on uh, uh, What's the album I just said that's my favorite? Corridors. Corridors, yeah. Yeah. And, and also uh, bass playing. There's three different bass players. Neil Murray, uh, Mo Foster, Bob Daisley. And also on the uh, on the cover of Shapes of Things, Nikki uh, Holder from uh, uh, what the fuck's uh, her uh, name? Oh, you mean Naughty Holder from uh, not, not, yeah from Slade. 
Slade, yeah, same background. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, uh, Neil Murray was also the bass player on Corridors of Power, too. Right. I believe Corridors of Power was uh, a three-piece, but, you know, with a keyboard player. Right. And I believe the keyboard player was Neil Carter, maybe? I can't remember. Or, but, uh... Or, no, I think it was, um... What's his name from, uh... Who's in Deep Purple now? That was in Ozzy? And Rainbow? Uh... But, uh, Don Airy? Don Airy, I think so. I could be wrong. All right, yeah, and this is uh, kind of the you know the beginning of the end of his metal era too. You know, it wouldn't be too too long before he would uh, just go into blues territory, which I, I like as well. I did too, I, but no, I think he lasted like three three more albums before he went blues after this. Yeah, wasn't that many? Okay. Yeah, yeah, there was uh, Run for Cover. Um, uh, over the hills. Um, I know there was a few other ones. Right? Wild, Wild Frontiers. Wild Frontiers is the one with uh, Over the Hills and After the War. And then after that was uh, Still Got the Blues. Still Got the Blues was very well promoted. He was on uh, David Letterman's show for that album. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. He played the song Still Got the Blues. And, uh, what do you call it? I have it on videotape. I remember I filmed it. I, I recorded it. Right on. Yeah, great album. I highly recommend. Man, if I was to tell people, if you're going to get any Gary Moore corridors, and victim of the future. Great fucking Yeah, album. definitely. Yeah, and, you know, definitely ex accessible, too. You don't already have to be a fan of his. Those are ones you can just jump right in and enjoy. Yeah, that's where, if you want to get into them. And then, of course, Black Rose from uh, Finn Lizzy. The only Thin Lizzy album he played on, even though he was in and out of Thin Lizzy a lot, uh, I, right. I believe that's the only album he actually played on. I think he did, no, actually he did a solo on, I think Still Loving You on uh, Nightlife. I could be wrong. Uh, I, I know it's on there as a bonus track. I don't know if that's what's on, was on the original as the finished product. Right. All right. All right. What's next? Well, next one is a, you know, <laughs> A band we, we love to rag all the time, me even more so than you, but uh, this one is my favorite of theirs. I'm talking about Shout at the Devil oh, on Motley yeah. Crue. Hell yeah. I can't complain about this fucking album. I like every song. I know you don't like Danger, I think, right? Eh, you know, I, I've gone back a little bit more, I, and I can tolerate a little bit more, would still be my, my least favorite by leaps and bounds, though. Right. You know, but everything else, you know, and I know you've recently uh, switched teams now, and now you're uh, you're saying '94 is the best, but uh, for my money, this is still the best Motley Crue, and you know, this is what Motley Crue was to me, you know. Well, yeah, this what is I, this is more Motley Crue than '84. I, I mean '94. But uh, but man, it, what's funny though is. Even though, you know, we're talking about albums of 93, or 83, this is what I definitely associate more with 84. Because that's yeah. what, I mean, I, I just remember that summer of, uh, you know, whereas, uh, you know, Quiet Right Metal Health, I, I associate that more with 83. But I just, you know, the summer of 84, it was all about, like, fucking, uh, you know, Motley Crue and Twisted Sister and... You know, uh, what's the, you know, 
animalized. You were seeing a lot on MTV. Uh, you know, 84 was such a huge year as well. But, uh, but yeah, this was released in September uh, of 83. And I think probably when it broke was probably 84, probably why... I associate it more with that. I, I own I remember I got Motley Crue Shot of the Devil as a Christmas present of eighty three. So yeah, it's pretty much eighty four to me as well. And I saw oh, I, them in eighty four with Ozzy. Oh, and I'm I'm looking here at the singles for the album. Um, the first single was Helter Skelter, was released in eighty three as a promo to record companies. But uh, the first actual like, you know, singles and videos Looks a Kill was released in January of 84, and Too Young to Fall in Love was April 30th of 1984, so... Man, that is weird, because I could have sworn that Looks a Kill video was out already by the time I got to town, but it's been so long, man. Right. But I could have sworn they already had the video out by the time I had the album. And, uh, interesting move here, both Looks a Kill and uh, Too Fast for Love the singles featured uh, the B-sides were songs off of Too Fast for Love. Looks the Kill was uh, back with Piece of Your Action and Too Young to Fall in Love was back with Take Me to the Top. That's odd. And, yeah, well, you know, what it, what it could have been too is it could have been the record company trying to, uh, you know, revive sales of, of, you know, Too Fast for Love too. Right, and it worked. Too Fast for Love was kind of cult back then and then Shot the Devil made Too Fast for Love huge. So right. I remember Too Fast for Love was everywhere uh, by the time Shot the Devil came out. Right. There, you know, remember it was originally released independently on leather, and then you know redid for Electra. I I, I prefer the Electra version. To tell you the truth. You do. I hate I hate the clapping on uh on fucking uh, live wire. You know that, and we're dan, da, 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 and then everybody's like clapping. It's, it's stupid. <laughs> it's like, dude, I hate that shit. To tell you the truth, I haven't listened to, I haven't listened to the leather uh, since I bought uh, that box set that how, how to crash your car or whatever music to crash your car to. Yeah. Uh, I think I listened to it around when it came out. I remember some stuff I liked better. But I don't, I don't even remember the clap. <laughs> yeah, but it, does, it doesn't. It doesn't sound too good now. <laughs> yeah, li- listen to the, to the leather version is terrible. I mean, I hate it. I, I can't tell you the truth. I can't remember the word. I remember "Too Fast for Love" had a different intro. Uh, the song, too, you know, had like a little mellow thing. When you're right. young and some shit. Yeah, like that, you know? yeah. I remember that yeah. as well. But uh, I mean, this was just. Man, now this I remember being all over MTV, you know, and, and along, you know, with with Rat, you know, and Twisted. 84, man, metal was really big. And, you know, I already, you know, even though I wasn't full-fledged into metal, you know, even I couldn't escape songs like this. And I, you know, I knew who Motley Crue was, you know. And, uh, man, this is, I mean, songs like fucking Red Hot. Knock them dead. Ten seconds to love. I mean that shit. That's one of my favorites right there. Bastards. No, it's, it's fucking. I mean, they, it's too bad that they tainted their history so much because, man, they were so metal during this time. You know, they look like reject from the Road Warrior. And the whole image, right. the whole package is badass. I loved it. I loved Motley Crue back then. I met them at Peaches during this time, a record signing and. Yeah, we got to review this album eventually. 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, and man, it just—I don't know why they never went back to this. And I, I don't know if it, if it, you know, Nikki's to blame or you know because Nikki seems like somebody he's always, he's always fights so hard to get respect, and I think that's been their downfall. Right. You, you know, and I, I've, I've said this before. You know, some some musicians are artists. And some are just in a band. And there's nothing wrong with being in a band. But, you know, not everybody is, is a fucking genius. You know, not everybody's a Roger Waters. You know, or a, or a Lennon and McCartney. You know, there's nothing wrong with being just a rock guy. <laughs> you know, writing rock metal songs. Right. Uh, but, you know, if, if, if you go back and you listen to, uh, to Too Fast for Love, uh, you know, that's not as metal. As as shout at the devil. No, it's you more know, punky. Yeah, it's more punky, more like like hard rock and yeah, uh, you know. And, and I think we both agree that 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 album's overrated. I know a lot of people love. I don't hate the album. Yeah, but, but man, uh, like, come on and dance is terrible. Yeah. Oh God. Come on and dance. Come on and dance. And I've, he- I've heard people say how they love that song. Yeah. I know that I'm not. Shit. I'm not a fan of Starry Eyes as well. Yeah. 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 Uh, 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 uh. But I do. I do a piece of your action. You know. I like. I love on with the show. Piece of your action. Take me to the top. Live wire. Good song. Yeah. What's yeah. next? Uh, next one. Let me go back here. Ooh. Now this is one uh, <laughs> we both love, but. Oh, it was a what a joke it was to rip me about not liking the first song. I'm talking about Motorhead, another perfect day. Oh yeah, Ugh. yeah. Um, well, you know what, dude? Uh, we shouldn't even talk about this. You want to hear what we think about it? Go listen to the episode. We reviewed this fucker. Yeah, love this album, by the way. Yeah, we went back and forth. There were songs uh, Ian didn't like, I, I liked, and vice versa. So it was a good episode. So check it out. What's next? All right, uh, next, just to fill you up, a little MSG, oh, Built yeah. to Destroy. Built to and, Destroy, yeah. And uh, this features the return of Gary Barden, because yeah. uh, Graham Bonnet didn't last too long. But what I will say, uh, in Graham's defense, because I'm famous for slamming this dude, I went back and listened to that album he did with him. Uh, what was the name of that one? Um, Assault Attack. Assault Attack. Assault. Yeah. I tell you what, that might be one of my favorite uh, Michael Schenker group albums. Probably tied with number one for the for the second with the the second album. But uh, oh man, I don't know. There's some there's something missing to me on this album though. Uh, I, I think a little bit too much keyboard on this one. Uh, you know, and this would be the last you know, credited to MSG for over a decade because after this you'd go kind of dormant for a couple years and then come back with the Macaulay Shanker group, which was even more like cock rock. Yeah. Uh, but this, I, I don't know, It's uh, the production is very thin on this. Uh, probably the song most people might know off of this is the instrumental Captain Neo, which uh, Eddie Trunks used as his theme for his radio shows for like ever. But, uh, you know, I was just listening to a little bit of this today, and, you know, I was just like, uh, 
I mean, it's not horrible, but to me, it's just, it, it's too light. I'd like something a little bit heavier, and I thought Assault Attack was light years ahead of this one. I agree, but it did have a couple gems. I like Dogs of War, I like Red Sky, and yeah, Captain Nemo was awesome, but, uh, but yeah, yeah, it, it is a step down. I mean, my favorite are the first two, I think. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Uh, the, the first one, I, I, I don't I don't hate it, but I just, I don't know, there's something about it just never catches me, man. But the second one, Assault Attack, and I want to thank Justin Childers for turning me on to that one because uh, he called and requested Desert Song on my radio show. And, uh, you know, I wasn't even going to give that album a listen because of Graham Bonnet. But for whatever That's reason... That's my favorite song, too. Uh, you know, for whatever reason, Graham Bonnet does not annoy the shit out of me on that album, but everything else I've heard with him does. But, uh, all right, well, next one, while we're talking about light rock, or light metal, if you will, uh, Night Ranger definitely hit their peak with the next release, Midnight Madness. Love it. I love that album. I think that album's fucking awesome. I like, I love the first two Night Rangers, and then after this is where they... The next album was terrible. Seven Wishes. Uh, I couldn't get into that. Uh, I, I, I don't know. There's there, there's some stuff on uh, Seven. See, I I'm, I have them now, but I haven't listened to them. But I was always like a like a Night Ranger's Greatest Hits kind of guy. But I, off of Seven Wishes, I loved uh, Four in the Morning, and uh, I think Sentimental Street was on that. Yep. I I, I love both those two, but this one. Uh, and I've still never heard it its entirety. I might have to go back and check oh, this out. I, I, it's a great album, man. Uh, it has my favorite Night Ranger song, Touch of Madness. Love right. that song. And, uh, Not familiar with that one. But the singles were You Can Still Rock in America, Sister Christian, and uh, When You Close Your Eyes. And I, yeah. I love all those. Yeah. No, uh, Touch of Madness. My favorite song on here is Touch of Madness. Rumors in the Air is great. And uh, Why Does Love Have to Change has such a great fucking song intro riff uh i think it's a cool album man i think this is a uh, right where to me this is their peak I, I couldn't get into the next album at all you know just i just gave up after this but th this album is great i saw night ranger about two years ago here at a casino and yeah they opened up with my favorite song touch of madness which was pretty cool rumors in the air was still in the set list and you know yeah and the hits you know and yeah yeah but, uh, I, I, I saw them a couple months back and, and, and I enjoyed them you know it, it sucked that they played high enough by the damn Yankees that was annoying but. yeah they did it over here too yeah. well it was a hit you know? right right you know Jack Blades ain't gonna let you forget it either exactly. <laughs> but uh, now let me ask you back then you know when this was big was uh, you, you know did Metalheads embrace this too or was no. this seen as pussy shit yeah it was seen as pussy shit and Funny enough, before <laughs> before uh, they released a single for Sister Christian, they I saw them open for Black Sabbath on the Born Again tour on this album. And wow, you know, I mean, there was some metalheads that liked it because of the Ozzy connection, but uh, and it was good. And yeah, when I saw them open for Sabbath, obviously they didn't play Sentimental Street. I mean, um, Sister Christian, but uh, right. But it rocked, man, and I, I think that first album had some cool songs, like Eddie's Coming Out Tonight, the, uh, the song Night Ranger, 
some good, right. you know, what, what's the hit again? Um, God damn it. Uh, don't tell me don't you love me. Don't tell me you love me. Yeah, that shit rocks. I yeah, like I love shit. that song. I like that shit. So, uh, but yeah, I saw them open for Black Sabbath on the Born Again tour, which was a weird match. Even back then, I mean, I remember people were complaining. Uh, wow. Before that, it was a uh, Quiet Riot opening for Black Sabbath. Right, I, I knew that. Wow, I didn't know about Night Ranger. Though. Yep, Night Ranger, Sunrise Music Theater, and, and they were good. I mean, they had to be good. I mean, that, they they played all the Rocky songs. It was good shit. I dug it. Uh, and here's a little interesting fact I didn't know. Glenn Hughes sings background on You Can Still Rock in America. Yeah, I knew that. Actually, I, didn't oh. know. I forgot about that, but yeah, I knew that. Alrighty. Alright, now here's one I don't know. Uh, and I'll see if you know that. Are you familiar with Auto Nova's second album, Subject? I have it on vinyl, and I bought it because of one song. Uh, Monkey on Your Back. Great, great song. A really fucking horrible video that I love. I love horrible <laughs> videos. It's so bad, it's great. You gotta see that video. You want to talk about fucking primitive? You know, they're they're they're. You gotta see it, dude. They're playing like on a planet. Like it's such horrible effects, but it's cool. But uh, you know, I bought this album, and to tell you the truth, I couldn't get into it. But I I, I never really gave it that much of a chance. But I did listen to it, and I was like, man, the only good song I like on here is Monkey on Your Back. Great fucking song. That song rocks. But as, right. uh, I remember the, the rest of the album being kind of weak, though. I'll have to check it out. I'm not too familiar. I mean, I, I love the song Fantasy, but I've never listened to a whole Look album. The, the, the fantasy. <laughs> I love that shit, dude. Yeah, it's, it's a, so... Yeah, and a, it's another so great horrible early video. 80s. And another yeah. great oh, yeah. horrible video. I've seen that one. <laughs> All right, now here's one that I believe you've talked to me about in the past, and I still need to check out. This is a band called Oz. Fire in the Brain. Yeah, it yes. was one of my picks of the week on. Uh, that, that's where I know. On one of our past episodes. Oh my God, that that album is God. Um, yeah, Fire in the Brain is fucking just an amazing fucking album. Yeah, I highly recommend that one. Um, it, and I, I, I know I'm familiar with the album cover. Uh, and, and you said this is, it's like a new wave of British heavy metal type? Kind of, yeah, yeah, it is. It's very awesome. good. It's awesome shit. Awesome. Well, I will definitely have to search that one out. All right, now here's another one that we reviewed, uh, but has to be mentioned. Uh, Ozzy came back after the death of Randy Rhodes with Bark at the Moon, the debut of Jakey Lee. Yeah, I would have to say, like, you know, 83, it was all about Motley Crue and Bark at the Moon. You know, oh, yeah. Those were the two albums that were, you know, mostly, I think, uh, the cream of the crop of uh, of the, of 83, you know. And, and believe it or not, oh, yeah, and Fastway was pretty big, too. I mean, for, oh, yeah, of course, Iron Maiden. But uh, great album, but we talked about it, so go check out the right. episode. And, and that's another one, you know, that kind of more gets lumped in with 84 because it was released in uh, November of 83. And then that big Motley Crue uh, Ozzy tour, of course, was in 84. And, and you saw that one, right, Ralph? Uh-huh. Front row. I had front oh, row seats man. with my friend Eve. And uh, 
It was. Oh no shit! Of, yeah, yeah. I, I talked about it on that episode. The whole. Oh, is that the one where you you took the bus? The yeah, Aussies are yeah, Aussies. The Aussies. <laughs> and check out that's a great story. So please check out that episode. All right. All right. Well, now we go to a debut album. Uh, and there's a lot of people that refuse to uh, admit this is their debut album. But truth be told, the very first Pantera album came out in 1983, Metal Magic. And how old and, was Dime then? Like 16 or something? Uh, it's wild I to want, think that they came out in 83. Yeah, I want to say 17. Something that well, let, let me see here real quick. Uh, he was born in '66, so in '83. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah no, I'm bad. '17. I was 18. I'm older than dying. Okay. Wow. Yeah. And uh, you know, this is definitely you know different, but you know. I'm one of the, the the rare people I think that likes you know the cock rock as much as the thrash, you know, and so I don't have any prejudice towards this, you know. I just think it, it's fun uh, of the time hard rock, uh, you know. You can definitely hear their love of you know early Death Leopard on this and and uh, you know new wave of British heavy metal, but it's definitely more of an American take on it. And I mean, you you can even tell by the song titles, like "Ride My Rocket," <laughs> "Nothing yeah. On But the Radio," uh, "Rock Out." <laughs> I like Widowmaker off that album. Yeah, Widowmaker's a good one. Uh, but <laughs> this is when Rex was going by Rex Rocker. <laughs> yeah, and Diamond Daryl. Diamond Daryl and Vinnie Paul and uh, Terry Glaze was uh, was the lead singer back then, and you know a lot of people have issues with this but I think it's just they refuse to believe that a band that was as heavy as Pantera you know would become you know could have this kind of look and this kind of sound but I still love it it was produced by their father a country musician who had his own studio and uh, this is one man I really wish that uh that Vinny would do something with these and remaster them, but they they just try to pretend like they didn't happen, you know. And, well, uh, I did see an interview with Vinny Paul where he said he's very proud of all these albums, but yeah, he's not releasing them. Who knows why? But he says he's got nothing to be ashamed about. That he likes every album that Pantera did back in those days. And how about well, that album cover, huh? Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That that's, album that's, covers the equivalent of that Aldo Nova video I was talking about. Oh man, I don't. I got a feeling that that someday, uh, you know, these will come out, and it'll probably yeah. be when, uh, you, you know, when when Hell Yeah is doing even worse than they are now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when, yeah. You, when you he might, needs the money, yeah, it'll it'll come out. You know, and 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 in all honesty, only the diehards. You know, you know, he's not going to make a lot of money off this, but you know, I would definitely buy it because. You know, I have downloaded copies that basically sound like somebody recorded it off an eight track. <laughs> you know, and very I got it. sounding. Oh yeah, oh yeah. But uh, I don't know. I like if it's fun rock and roll. You know, to me, I dig know? it too. I like projects a little more though. The next album. Yeah. I thought that uh, one was, it, was much better, but Metal yeah. Magic's good. It's got its charm. And I love I Am the Night too. 
you know? Oh, I'm the Knights even better. I'm just oh, saying, yeah. I, I thought, uh, I'm the Knights extremely underrated. Like, that one is not really that glammy, you know? Right. And so you, <laughs> you, you can already hear a little uh, taste of power metal, the, the album power metal. And like the, the song, I'm the Knight, it sounds like it could go on power metal, you know? Good right. Shit. It was funny. I played on on my radio show. I played Forever Tonight, and I, I thought people would, you know, because you know my audience likes a lot of the cock rock and shit. You know, oh my god, I was the only person who enjoyed it. <laughs> but uh, you know, they they were ragging on the vocals and everything. But I don't know if that's just because you know they can't accept anybody other than uh, you know uh, Phil. But I dig it. And, and Terry Glaze, Terry Glaze went on to form a band called Lord Tracy. And Thrasher Die covered one of their songs. No shit. Piranha, right on. yeah. Right on. All right, well, next is an EP I know you know, and I know you love, and everybody should love, and that's Queensryche's EP. Yeah, one of the greatest EPs ever made, actually. Oh, man, along with Haunted Chapel, maybe my favorite, and Combat. Um, what a great EP, man. Every song... Queen of the Riot, Knight Rider Blinders, Lady War Black, and then many years later they released a CD with the song Prophecy, where right. there's two versions of Prophecy actually, one on that EP and then the other one on a Decline of Western Civilization soundtrack is uh, another, it's the same song but you can tell it's differently recorded. But uh, right. oh my god, what an amazing, and this is another horrible video, Queen of the Riot. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Which, yeah, that's, you know, it's so bad, it's great. And how about how that that video ends, to be continued? No, it was never right. continued. But, um, oh, man, that was, dude, I'll never forget seeing that video at my buddy's house on MTV. And it was, like, maybe one of the real rare times they showed it back when that EP was released. They didn't show that video much. And we were all like, what the fuck is this? This is it's like Judas Priest, man. It's like, oh my God, we gotta get this shit. And then listening to the rest of the album, it's like, fuck, dude. This is some serious, serious metal. And I was very much taken aback by the warning. Because when I heard that, I was like, oh, what is this crap? But now I love them. Fuck, Morning may be my favorite Queen's Lake. But it's just so weird. And ahead of its time, really. But this one is just... Queensryche was never more straight-ahead metal than they are on this EP. Yeah, this one is one, uh, man, definitely goes back and forth between this and Mindcrime is my favorite Queensryche release. I wouldn't get to know this until the 90s, because I didn't really know anything Queensryche until Operation Mindcrime. And still, it was a while, I think it was probably after Empire that I went back and got this. Uh, definitely, definitely their most metal, and man... If only every album sounded like this by Queensryche. But if there's anything you can say, you know, particularly for the Jeff Tate era, they really never made the same record twice. You know, everything was was different. For for better or for worse, everything was different. I mean, because if you go from this to The Warning and Rage for Order, I mean, they're they're all different. Uh, You know, and and I've, you know, learned to love them as, as the years gone on. But a lot of times... Uh, you know, I usually don't get a Queensryche album right off the bat. Now, you know, these two new Todd Latore ones, I really enjoyed right away. But, uh, you know, a lot of Queensryche 
albums have to sink in for me, but man, uh, when they did metal, they did it fucking right. And this is an all-time classic uh, that should be in every metalhead's collection, you know, whether or not you like, you know, the later stuff. If you just love metal, you know, this this EP should definitely be in your record collection. I agree. Along with the next album, and one of the most important albums in metal slash hard rock, and that is Quiet Riot's third album, but first to be released in the States, Metal Health. Yeah, I take back everything I said about the other bands. The most important albums of 83 was definitely Metal Health and Pyromania, that's for sure. Yes. Those are the two most important albums, and yes, uh, we, we reviewed this one, haven't we? Yes, yes, we did. Yes, we did it. And uh, my opinion has changed on some songs since then. Really? Uh, yeah, I'm trying to remember. There was one song I'd have to go back and listen to, but I think it was either... I think it might have been Run for Cover that I was like, eh, and then Oh, I love that song. I believe so. It's been so long since I've heard that episode, but I think that's one I was like, eh, but now... Uh, I just fucking love it, you know, because I, you know, I, I always have it on my phone, you know, and yeah, th- that song came up on shuffle, and I was like, fucking a right. I mean, th- there's stuff that I'll, you know, still go to my grave hating on this album, like Thunderbird and Slick Black Cadillac, uh, but uh, definitely uh, changed my tune on Run for Cover. An amazing album, so important, you know, and you know this one and and Pyromania. I don't think 84 would have blown up the way it did metal-wise if it wasn't for albums like these two, you know, expanding, you know, to, to reach new audiences, you know, and MTV definitely helped as well. But this definitely got, you know, people who were scared of stuff like Black Sabbath, you know, and, and, and the earlier, you know, hard rock stuff, you know, even girls would hear this on the radio and, and shit and bang their heads and, uh, you know, really brought you know, metal into the mainstream. Thanks to Come On Feel Noise because this album was out for a while. I owned this on vinyl way before the Come On Feel uh, on the strength of the song Metal Health because that video was out first. And it's like, dude, that, that was a calling card uh, for, for us, Metalhead. You know, come on, a song called Bang Your Head, Metal Health, you know, it's like. So I owned this album and then when Come On Feel The Noise came out, I was so happy to see it explode, but it took a while for this album. It was kind of like the same thing that happened to Appetite for Destruction. Appetite for Destruction was out out for like about a year, maybe longer, you know, before that exploded. Back in Black too. Back in Black wasn't, Back in Black sold good because, you know, the strength of the highway to hell, but it wasn't until You Shook Me All Night Long was released that it exploded into the, you know, stratosphere, which... I found out just today, I wasn't aware, it's the, it, right behind Thriller as the most greatest selling album ever. I thought it was the Eagles' greatest hits. Uh, well, they always go uh, back and forth. You know, I, well, because, of course, people, you know, as they keep buying, it's going to affect it. But, uh, yeah, all I knew for number one, it would go, it was Thriller for a while, then it was Eagles, and I think it was Eagles for a long time until Michael Jackson died. And then, of course, you know, there was a resurgence in sales for Michael Jackson, then Thriller was number one again. But you're saying now number two is Back in Black? I heard that today while watching a video on YouTube, how Back in Black is the second uh, highest selling album of all time, right behind Thriller. Wow. I think something like 40 million or something like that. 
Damn. Crazy. All yeah. right, and you know we got more to talk about mental health, but you got to listen to that episode. Yep, that you do. All right. All right. Next up is another EP. A lot of EPs released back then, and this is the EP from Rat, which uh, you know there there's a lot of people who claim this is their favorite Rat album. Yeah, I love this one though. It's by my second favorite, right behind Out of the Cellar. Yeah, uh, now this one I did not know of uh, when it came out. I only knew, uh, you know, seeing it in record stores after, uh, I would say, probably around the time of Invasion of Your Privacy, I started seeing this in record stores a lot and and never bought it for whatever reason. I think I, because it was an EP. Yeah. I, I might have seen it in record stores back then, but didn't bother and... Uh... My first exposure was out of the cellar, but then I went back and got this, and it's a little more raw. Sweet Cheater is pretty slamming tune, and right. You Think You're Tough is so catchy, and, uh, you know, uh, Tell the World. Oh, great version of Walking the Dog. I love their version of Walking the Dog. A different version of Back for More. Yes. Uh, good tune, good tune. Right. Uh, and uh, EP, great EP. on metal blade, it was a metal blade album. Was it? Yeah, it says it was released on uh, Time Coast. Uh, well, I have it, and it's metal blade, trust really? me. Really, yeah, it's a metal hmm. blade album, definitely. Yeah, it says Time Coast Communications in the U.S. and Music for Nations in Europe, but it, it might it might have been re released by uh. Metal Blade, maybe? No, no, no. I'm uh, pretty sure I bought it around that time, like around Out of Cellar. It was Metal Blade. Right on. Well, another little-known fact that the legs on the album cover that are covered in, looks like mice to me and not rats, but uh, yeah. uh, belong to Tony Gatain, who was also on the cover Out of the Cellar. Oh, interesting. Uh, I didn't know yeah. that. Yep, well, that was Robin Crosby's girlfriend. Yep. And, uh, you know, before she, she would dump him and get with O.J. Simpson. and There's there's a video on YouTube of Robin Crosby talking about how O.J. Simpson wanted to kick his ass. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, what was that, uh, uh, what was that show with uh, Mari Povich back in the day? Um, uh, current Affair. Yeah, yep. Cur current current Affair. something like that. Good stuff. Yeah. Great album. Great EP. And, and, and Robbins was no small dude. He, yeah, he was, was pretty fucking yeah, big. he was huge. But I think he was kind of wimpy, though. Like, I don't think... <laughs> he, he didn't look like... He was like one of those uh, big guys, but didn't fight, you know? Yeah. Yeah, he seemed yeah. like well, a chill guy, you know? Well, he, he, knew, he knew back then that OJ was a killer. Exactly. Yeah, right? <laughs> and uh, then, of course, you know, Tani would run off with David Coverdale. And you know you know who hates Tani Katane? Is David Lee Roth? Really? Yeah, uh, I remember. It's been so long since I read the book Crazy from the Heat, but I know he talks about her there, and he just said she was never anything but a piece of shit. I mean, and she was known on the scene, and uh, you know he knew she was no good all along, and just called her absolute trash and would jump from one guy to the next trying to further her career and shit. You know, there's actual now that you mention that there's actual video of. Of David Lee Roth bashing her about the whole OJ thing, how they set up like a 
they set something up where she walked out and they were interviewing her, but she he said it was all set up. I think it was on Howard Stern. He said that, ah. but I own that book, Crazy from the Heat, and I was kind of like, dude, what, where the hell am I now? It was too <laughs> too hard of a read, man. Yeah, it, it is all over the place. <laughs> yeah, it it's like, yeah, I, I think that's a book you have to have on tape of him reading yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like 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 if he read it, it, it would all make sense. But you know, without a without Dave Bonix, it's kind of hard to understand. Exactly, a strange, strange fucking book. Uh, all right. Uh, next one is one I'm a little familiar with, but I'm sure you know is Born in America by Riot. Oh, yeah, great album uh, with, with the late, great Rhett Forrester. Yes, his uh, last album with the band. Yeah, uh, Heavy Metal Machine, that, that song fucking rocks. Uh, the title track, Vigilante Killer, Gunfighter. I, I love this album. It's a great album. I, I prefer uh, Restless Breed, the first album he, he was on, but it's a really good album. Uh, really great band, dude. Very overlooked. Um, cause they, you know, they, they went through some changes too, but Born in America, I think, I believe was the last one before they went full blown thrash on Thundersteel. But then after Thundersteel, they did a real weird album too. That was like kind of metalish, but up to this point, uh, Riot was more of a hard rock band. And this was, this was the end of Riot actually, this sound. Born America, because after this they went more power metal and thrashy and speed metal. You know, they were all over the place, but they never went back to this sound. And this is a great album, man. I, I dig it. I own it. I have to check. I have to check out like other eras of Riot. I have it all, but haven't haven't checked it out. But I just, I'm such a big fan of Guy Speranza. Yeah. And. uh one thing I found out today doing a little research I didn't know was uh, after he left uh, Riot, Scott Ian asked him to be the singer of Anthrax. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, and and uh, and he before they got this uh, guy in the first one. Uh, uh, we, oh, Neil Turbin. Yeah, before I got Neil Turbin, but uh, but Guy Spranza turned down, said he was absolutely done with the music business and. He moved to Florida to become an exterminator. Wow. Yeah, but uh, but uh, yeah, I gotta check it out. I, I think I think the reason I have it is just because, like I said, I, I checked out a little bit, but it's like, oh, I just want to hear Guy Speranza. But you know, I, I've heard you talk, you know, real good about some other albums, so I gotta put some more time. Brett Forrester was an amazing singer. That guy was badass. You know, um, I love his voice. It was kind of original. I mean, it's one of those voices you hear, and you're like, dude, that's Brett Forrester. You know, it's like a very recognizable voice that only belonged to that guy. And uh, another guy that passed away, him and Guy Speranza and Mark Real, they're all gone, man. Um, yeah. I've heard conflicting things about how Brett Forrester died. And uh, one of the things I heard is that he was just sitting in traffic, and some asshole just came up and put a bullet in his head. Uh, it, it was an attempted carjacking. Oh, that's what it was? Is, is what happened, and he wouldn't, uh, you know, he was trying to resist the guy, and the guy shot him, and it went unsolved for years. Oh, so and they caught then, the guy? Yeah, well, they caught the guy. It was a guy uh, in jail, and he ended up confessing to other crimes, and that was one of them. So, uh, 
There you go. Yeah, very, very sad way to go. And, you know, Guy Sprans, of course, died from pancreatic cancer. And then we just lost Mark uh, last year. I believe he had cancer as well. No, man. Uh, Mark Mark died back in 2011. And I think I told this story on the podcast, but I'll say is it, it, is it Is it is it that long? Has it been that long Yeah, already? Mark Riel died oh, wow. in 2011. He died while I was on the boat. And we got the news that he died moments before Riot was about to play because Riot was booked to play with Mark Real on the ship. Mark got sick, ended up in the hospital, but they carried on without him on the ship. And we got the news that Mark died literally about 20 minutes before Riot was about to play. And there was actually, dude, I saw people crying. Uh, you know, the, like the, the crowd. There were people there that were just fucking crying, you know? And it was very emotional, and the, and the band played on, and they were, you know, you can tell the singer was fucking, like, teared up, too, you know. It was a very emotional uh, experience. And then after that, we went to see uh, Jeff Waters' guitar clinic, and Jeff Waters was telling us how much he loved Fired Out Under, and it was, like, great out, like, very inspirational album to him. And it was a very sad moment on the cruise, man. I mean, wild, man, wild. And... Uh, yeah, I, I got to see Riot twice, though. I saw them open for Black Sabbath Heaven and Hell tour, and I saw them uh, Rush Moving Pictures tour, both with Guy Speranza. Um, nice. I had tickets to see the Thundersteel at, uh, in Fort Lauderdale, and I got to the show, and I got to the door, and they're like, dude, it's canceled. And I never, ever refunded my ticket. I still own that ticket. Never, wow. Never, never got my money back. I, I, I just wanted to keep it, I guess, you know? But yeah, that's my that's my story on Riot and Born America is a great, great album. I mean, I mean, I think all their albums are great, you know, uh, in different ways. I don't think they ever released a bad album, but some are much better than others. And if you know, if you were, I would pick my favorites. It'd be like um, Fire Down Under, definitely on top. Then, uh, then Restless Breed, then Thunder Steel, and then this Born America. I put this number four. Right on. All right, well, next is a band that I've heard a lot about, and I've never heard one song, um, and that's The Rods. Oh, Are you familiar I love with The Rods. Are you kidding me? Huge fan of The Rods. What album came out that year? In The Raw Live. Oh, great, amazing live album. Uh, there's a song on this live album. Well, it's on the Heavier Than Thou studio album, but the live version is a song called Born to Rock that I love so much that there's actual video on YouTube of me playing this song with the short-lived Thunder Hammer of band that I had with Marquez at one point. And we covered this song. And, uh, oh man, you never heard the Rods, huh? No, I mean, I've always heard of them and I knew that the dudes, uh, one of the dudes in the band is Dio's cousin and he, shit. He was an elf. He's oh, the, he was an elf he, too? He's the guy that Richie Blackmore plays. The first... Rainbow album is all is all fucking uh is elf. Right. Yeah, I knew that. Yeah, oh, I, did, I, I didn't know that's the same dude that's in the rods. Yeah, okay. da David Feinstein. Uh, okay. Great, great guitar player. And I finally saw the rods for the first time ever about three years ago or four years ago where I went to New Jersey because uh, it was it was the rods, Anvil who I've never seen before either, Raven, Twisted Sister. And a reunion of TT Quick and you know Eddie Trunk was there. It was some like hurricane relief thing. And uh, yeah, man, I finally got to see the Rods. And yes, they did play um, 
Born Rock, and my favorite song from them, you gotta hear the song called Hurricane, which I play a lot on my radio show. I play the Rods a lot on my radio show. Let Them Eat Metal is a badass album, badass song. Heavier Than Thou, I own all that shit, man. Big Rods fan, I love the Rods. Wild Dogs, I own all that shit, man. Uh, how, how would you describe it? Uh, uh, dirty rock, dirty rock, heavy, heavy rock. I mean, metal too, you know, you know, but it's, uh, I'm trying to think of some band. It's like, uh, I don't know, like, I, I wouldn't say ACDC, but it's dirty, like early ACDC. It's dirty like that. They don't sound nothing like ACDC. Um, Anvil is a good good example. Okay, all right. Know, I mean, well, different type of vocals, but musically, right. kind of anvilish. You know, that type of vibe, you know? Great band. Awesome. Like, it's more well, like a blue-collar hard rock band. All right, well, I definitely need to check some out. Then. The drummer of this band went on to record, um, um, I believe, Fistful of Metal. And um, Overkill's Feel the Fire. He, the drummer of The Rods, he became a producer. And uh, I remember having a conversation with Bobby Gustafson, and he was telling me... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's uh, Car Carl Canetti or whatever. Yeah, he did Anthrax, too. Yeah, that's what I said, Fistful of Metal. And, uh, yeah, he did a bunch of... I think he did a Possessed album, too. I could be wrong. But I know he did, like, a few... Exciter, Violence and Force. He did that one. Yeah. So, um... Yeah, yeah, good, good shit. Great, great, great shit. I highly recommend some rods, the rods rule. And they have a video for Hurricane that, dude, it's hilarious, you know? They're playing, and then there's a scene where the drummer's in the back seat with this really fat, ugly girl. It's fucking awesome. Awesome. All right, well, the next band is definitely a cult band, too. And that's Satan. Oh, my God. Courtney Act. What Courtney a fucking Act. band! What an underrated, and they reunited with an, yes. uh, with with what I feel is like one of the best albums released um, uh, back in what, what year was it? I think it was um, fuck two years ago, maybe. Um, when, uh, are you talking about Life Sentence? Yeah, Life Sentence. That dude. Yeah, to me, yeah, two thousand thirteen. 2013, that was the album of the year. That was my favorite album that came out that year. And it could have been a pick of the week. I might have made a pick of the week. Well, I made a, might have made this one a pick of the week. Because I own this shit on vinyl. And, and the way I got into Satan was, um, you know, I hate God. No, no, I mean, the band, the way, I, the way I got into Satan was, I got Courtney Act on vinyl and suspended sentence. And I don't know how I got them. But I love these fucking albums. They're, and Courtney Act is like, oh my God. It's fucking, it, it, it's, to me, it's like so ahead of its time and just killer, killer fucking album. Killer band. Satan Wolves. Oh, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I definitely like them. And I, I think the problem was, you know, they were definitely had much to do with the, you know, new wave of British heavy metal. But by the time they came out, it was really, you know, the end of that scene. So I don't think they got the, you know, the promotion that they needed. But man, fucking Trial by Fire, Break Free, Broken Treaties. I love all that shit, man. If, if you like, you know, like early Iron Maiden, 
like you know, like Dano era Maiden and stuff, and Diamond Head shit like that. Definitely need to check out Satan Court uh, in the Act. Yeah, yeah, and, and then check out the newer shit too. I mean, it they're definitely I would say heavier now, you know, than uh, Court in the Act. But man, that's good shit. Oh yeah. All right, next one. Bill Wang's favorite band, Sabotage, released their debut, Sirens. Woo! Groundbreaking. Love that fucking album. Holocaust, I believe. Rage, Twisted Little Sister. Uh, what yes. else is on there? Scream Murder. Yep. Good shit, man. The great fucking, great traditional metal. Uh, yeah. Love it. I love all that early Sabotage shit, except for uh, Fight for the Rock. That was, like, terrible. But every- that, that's that's when they went cock rock for an album. Yeah, well, it wasn't really that much of a cock rock album. It was more commercial, more AOR was a better way to put it. Like, you know, kind of, I don't know. It was like, you could tell it was record company pressure to do that right. piece of crap. But, uh, though it did have a couple of little gems on it, but for the most part, it was, it was terrible. But uh, uh, Sirens is fucking great. Great album. Uh, you know, Sabotage, you know, talked about it when we did our Hall of the Mountain King episode with Bill Wang. Uh, you know, I never got into that at the time. I didn't like it. And I went back and I'd have to say, going back and listening to the band, I think Sirens and uh, Dungeons Are Calling are probably my favorite Sabotage albums. Uh, I like them, you know, even a little bit more than Hall of the Mountain King. Yeah. And, and I... It's just good fucking traditional metal. Now, you know, where they lost me was, you know, after uh, Hall of the Mountain King, man. I I heard... Uh, good about Ballet. it. Yeah, they went symphonic. Oh, horrible. And, you know, Streets, a rock opera. Oh, yeah. The, the, those two, I, 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 I can't stand. Now, I know they did a couple, you know, well, shit, they did like five albums after that. But I just could not get into it. Of course, they morphed into that, uh, what's that, Transsexual Siberian Orchestra. Yeah, that was more of a project of, uh, oh, what's the guy's name, that producer albums? Whatever it uh, is. But yeah, a lot yeah. of members of Sabotage are in that. Right. That's the brainchild but, of the guy that used to produce their albums. Uh, Paul O'Neill, I believe, is his name. Yeah, I think so. I think you're right. Uh, but man, Sirens... Uh, you know, and Dungeons Are Calling, Power of the Night. Uh, that's just good fucking metal. And they're a Florida band as well, right? Aren't they from Tampa? They are, yes. They are uh, from Tampa, but I believe the Leva Brothers were born in New York. But yeah, they, oh. they, they formed in Tampa. I think they formed in Tampa. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not, I don't really hate Streets or Gutter Ballet. But I did hate when they got a little too overboard on some of those tracks. But there's still some hidden gems on there that is Hall the Mountain King-ish, or even like, you know, Power of the Night. You have to just hunt for it. Like, you know, Of Rage and War, um, Agony and Ecstasy. Those are like classic Sabotage songs, but they're kind of buried in a symphonic mess. Yeah. Alrighty, well the next one is just pure metal through and through and really kind of an end of the first chapter of this band 
And I'm talking about Saxon, Power and the Glory. Oh, yeah, great album. I love that one, too. Uh, amazing, amazing metal. You know, with Saxon, you know, a lot of people are divided on the first one. I like it uh, a lot more than Ralph does. Yeah, I'm not too big, but, I'm not too big on that one. But the ones everybody always talks about is Wheels of Steel, Strong Arm of the Law, and Denim and Leather. The trifecta. But, yeah, uh, but to me, you know, and then they, after Denim and Leather, they did, you know, the landmark Eagle has Landed live album, which is incredible. But following that, they did Power and the Glory. And, man, you just want you want to talk about a solid album. The, the title track is amazing. You want to talk about a great cheesy video. Oh, yeah. Pa- Power and the Glory. Uh, and and, and the, the ending track, The Eagle Has Landed, is fucking amazing. Yeah. Nightmare is cool, too. Uh, it's town rock. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, great album. Now, after this, uh, I, I still love the next album, Crusader, but you can tell, uh, you know, where there's some, some stuff that sounds like Old Saxon, like, you know, the title track. But then you got songs like uh, Sailing to America, which, while I love it, you know, is definitely, you can see they start going after the American audiences, and they really got stuck in that for the next, like, three or four albums uh, of trying to break the American scene and really lightening up. But then they got back to what they do best with Solid Ball of Rock, and they... And really, ever since then, they've just been on a fucking roll. Metalhead badass. Oh, yeah. And the last album, Battering Ram, was great. Into Ooh. the Lap. Great album. Uh, Call to Arms was great. Yeah. Uh, Killing Ground. Call to Arms was a little more of a throwback, though. I thought Call to Arms was more uh, early sounding Saxon than, than the, the later stuff. But still a great album. Oh yeah, yeah, but I, I mean, it was, it was going back to the class. I mean, it wasn't like you know, it didn't sound like Rock the Nations or Destiny, <laughs> you know. Yeah, or Innocence is no excuse. Yeah, yeah, those are really, you know, like you were just talking about Sabotage. There's good songs to be found on those albums, but yeah. you gotta look for them because there's just too much shit of like, oh fuck, you know, Death Leopard selling more records than us, we have to get on the radio, you know? Yeah, and fucking uh, cover Christopher Cross too. Who the oh, fuck came uh, up with that? Oh, yeah, and, and, and let's see, when did Destiny come out? Was that, yeah, 88. In 88, covering Christopher Cross, who peaked in 1982, you know, to do Red Like the Wind, it's like, wow. I think I, I, I think I told you the story, like, I had this, it was a black thrash band. Um, that used to rehearse next to us called Devastator, who were big, you know, we used to argue because they didn't like Paul Diano. And their favorite, all of them collectively, their favorite Iron Maiden songs, Infinite Dreams. Well, the, the, the lead guitarist says the best Saxon song ever is uh, Run Like the Wind. I was like, are you fucking high? He's like, dude, that is the best song they ever did. I go, you know that's a cover? He goes, no, I didn't know that. I was like, dude, that, that shit's terrible. I couldn't believe he told me that's his oh, favorite God. Saxon song. Because they all, and the funny yeah. thing is, go ahead. I, I was just gonna say I love the Christopher Cross song, but it's not a metal song, you know. And what it's, they they owned was like a greatest hits, and it was on there. They had a Saxon had a greatest hits album that was on right. there, and I heard them jamming it one day, and I was like, 
Hey, man, that's Saxon, right? I was like, that's that ride with the wind, right, Saxon? Dude, that's the best yeah. Saxon album song ever. I was like, are you fucking nuts? <laughs> you ever heard Denim and Love? He goes, yeah, man, but no, nah, it's not as good as this. I was like, wow. Holy fuck, you guys are actually aware of Denim and Love. He goes, yeah, Prince of the Night. I mean, it's good. It's not as good as this. It's like, goddamn, okay, I give up. Ooh, they like they, they liked uh, Vixen, too. And they, they were black thrash. <laughs> you know, they were like real evil-sounding, Venom-sounding band, you know? They oh, started, I, thought you, they sounded, I thought you meant they were black guys playing thrash. No, no, no. Oh. It was like black metal. It's called black thrash. It has that black metal type vocals to thrash music. Well, thrashy, like, like mix, mix uh, Venom and early uh, creator. That's what they sounded like. <laughs> it just reminds me of <coughs> one Fourth of July. These two hot ass black chicks picked me up at a bar. And uh, they're like, hey, do you want to go see this band? There's like a, 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 a black metal band that we want to check out. And I was like, oh, cool. And we got there, and it was black metal, not a black metal band. <laughs> oh. And you could tell, like, they had never heard black metal. These motherfuckers come out in corpse paint. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. And they're like, okay, we can go now. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right, well, next... <laughs> And this caught me by surprise. There's two albums released in 1983 by Slayer. I don't know if you're aware of this. Are you aware of a band called S.A. Slayer? Yeah, my the drummer of um, Combat is a huge fan, him and his dad. And they own S.A. Slayer shirts. They were from Texas. Yes, yeah, San Antonio. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know yeah. them. They're and good. Hence and hence the S.A. Slayer. Yeah, they came out the same time as the band we all know and love. But, um, of course, Slayer took off, you know, faster and bigger. So they changed their name to S.A. Slayer. Right. And I've read about them, but I've never heard them. Uh, are you a fan? Not enough to, like, buy their stuff. But what I heard, I was like, yeah, it's not, it's not terrible. But, you know, but I guess because they were called Slayer, it kind of tainted it for me. Right. You know, I mean, Slayer is Slayer, you know. But, uh, yeah, no, nah, it's like, it's not bad, though. It's not bad. It's actually now, 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 is it thrash or just like heavy it's metal? It's more metal, yeah. It's more traditional. Okay. All right. Well, one that we both know and love is the debut album from Slayer, Show No Mercy. An album that I bought on site without hearing it. I saw the album cover. I flipped it around, and what made me buy the album was that picture of Jeff Hanneman with the upside-down cross scraping against his left paw. I was like, oh, I'm Because back then, Satan was so cool. Now Satan's very played out. But um, I was like, man, this is, you know, because I was so into Merciful Fate and Venom at that time. I had to have this. And I took it home, and, you know, honestly, I didn't really get it. But I didn't really hate it either. I said, oh, i got to keep listening to this. And it was... It was the song Black Magic that really hooked me in, finally. I was like, oh, no, this song, yeah, I love Black Magic. And then right, soon after that, I, I ended up loving that whole album where it became my favorite Slayer album for a while, but now it's like the next album. The EP is my favorite. Because that, you know, actually, my original favorite was uh, Hell Awaits. Then I was like, nah, Show No Mercy is better. But then 
I like Honey the Chapel more because it has elements of both those albums. But Show No Mercy does have my favorite Slayer song. You know what that is? Cryonics. Cryonics. Hell yeah, dude. And it doesn't sound like the Slayer, you know, that we all know. But it's it's very different. And, but it's such a great fucking song. But yeah, I mean, I covered Evil Has No Boundaries. You can see it on, on YouTube. Annie Price, Face the Slayer, Tormentor. Uh, what else is on here? Fucking, uh, oh, uh, um, Final, Final Command. Yeah, and, uh, Fight Till Death, Die by yeah. the Sword. Nah, it's a fucking great album. Great fucking album. Historic album, actually, in the, in the annals of metal. Yeah, I mean, I absolutely love this one. Uh, I wouldn't get into it till, shit, I would say the 90s, you know, because I've, I've, I've talked about it before. I bought Rain and Blood hated it uh you know just considered slayer a band hey i've got that that ain't for me until i heard seasons and then you know when i heard the the title track to seasons i was like oh shit i love this and, and then i went on to become a huge slayer fan and you know my appreciation for thrash grew and and got more into them but i would have to say this album i put it damn near neck and neck with kill em all uh, now, I will give Kill 'em All the edge uh, songwriting wise, because, you know, I, I just think, uh, you, you know, while this is an awesome album, I, I don't, they weren't Metallica at that point. You know what I mean? As far as song structure and everything, they didn't have something like, uh, you know, The Four Horsemen or, you know, Hit the Lights or something like that. But there's something about this album I, I love so fucking much never get tired of it and it's also in a way uh reminds me of fistful of metal where you know n none of the other slayers will, will you know sound like show no mercy this one's got more of like uh you know uh traditional metal you know like you know you can hear elements of of priest and maiden you know combined with you know venom and shit like that, but you know they would definitely change their sound after this, much like Anthrax did after Fistful of Metal. But uh, I would consider this like their their most metal album, if you will. You know, not really thrash, but just metal. Um, yeah. Absolutely, you absolutely hear, love it. You hear a lot of Maiden and Face the Slayer. Yeah, that that song is very Iron Maiden, Judas Priest too. You know? But yeah. Uh, it, they were very inspired by Exodus too to change their sound, you know. Oh yeah, but uh, I, I would definitely uh, recommend people who may, maybe you don't get this on the first listen, go back and give it another shot because oh, yeah. uh, I, I, I think it's definitely, definitely a masterpiece in metal. All right, our next one is an album I know you love, but for some reason I just can't get into it. But it definitely has a cult following. That's the debut, and I think maybe the only album from uh, Steeler. Oh yeah, yeah, I love it. Groundbreaking, amazing, amazing metal, and uh, very original album cover. I gotta say, <laughs> no album cover looked like that ever. Van Halen <laughs> ripped them off. But uh, yeah, it's it's an amazing album. Um, it's very yeah. I I will admit it's generic. But I like generic, you know, Cold Day in Hell, Hot on Your Heels, On the Rocks, uh, Backseat Driver. I, I dig it, man. And, and here's, you know, Yngwie Malmsteen, which I discovered Yngwie through Alcatraz. 
And I'll never forget finding that Steeler album at an unlikely mall that I never bought an album there ever before. And I saw it in this one record store on 163rd Street. I was like, holy shit, the Steeler's here. Because I had Steeler on cassette from a friend uh, who had it on cassette. So I dubbed his cassette with, because he had a dual cassette player. But I never saw it on vinyl. And yeah, to this day, I still own that fucking thing. But, oh, I love Steeler. And, and Hot On Your Heels, the beginning, the, the guitar solo, how it ends, like, that was the theme to uh, the Metal Shop, the radio syndicated show that I would always listen to, would use that as the theme. But, uh, oh, I love this album. It's a great album, Steeler. Recommend yeah. it if you're into the shred. Yeah, I just, uh, I, I can't get into this one. Oh, featuring on uh, bass, Mark, uh, Mark, uh, Rick Fox. Who, Rick Fox, who, yes. Yeah, he formed a band called, um, oh, what was the name of the band? Sin. And this is a funny story. I got to tell this story. If I, if I I don't know. I, I'm not sure if I ever told this story before. This is I, a great... I believe I believe he did on the Wasp episode. Okay, yeah, okay. Maybe. But I got to say it again. Uh, Rick Fox formed a band called Sin, and they have a song, oh, fuck, what's the name of that song? On the Run. Great killer fucking song. And the way I discovered that song was Night Flight had a video of people, like, skiing and, like, wiping out badly skiing to this song. You know, you don't see the band. All you just see are people getting fucked up skiing. And, uh, I recorded on VHS, and, um... I put it up on YouTube, and Rick Fox sent me a fucking message saying he was going to sue me for putting that up, and he also insulted me saying, and by the way, this song is about fucking riding motorcycles. What the fuck is with the skiing shit? And I'm like, does this guy not even know they showed this shit on Night Flight and I didn't make it? <laughs> fucking idiot. And uh, Rick Fox was also a member of Wasp in the early days as well. Yeah, yes, he was. And uh, I understand he was a terrible bass player. Yeah. yeah I, I've, I've heard multiple stories about him being a prick. Yeah, well, I can tell you right now, man. He threatened to sue me if I didn't take it down. I was like, bro, are you serious? I didn't make this. I got this video off TV. What, you're not aware of this? Now, another thing, too, that I got to say is like uh, on YouTube... You can hear on the run, and it's a different version that fucking sucks. Because it's all fucking covered in gay-ass keyboards. Where the version that Nightfly showed that I never found. I never found that version anywhere. It kicks so much fucking ass. So yeah, there you go. Alright. Uh, next album is a debut album. Uh that I absolutely love. And again, this is one that sounds like no other album in this band's catalog. And that's the debut from Suicidal Tendencies. Oh, yeah. And I oh, saw my. them during this era. Um, but when I saw them, Rocky George was already in the band, though he didn't play on this album. But right. uh, I saw Suicidal Tendencies at a little club on um, Miami Beach and... I didn't know who they were. Uh, I just I used to go to a lot of like hardcore punk rock shows back then, and I caught Suicidal Tendencies. I did see them, and uh, and soon afterwards, uh, I believe it was the same club, but I did I didn't see no fucking cameras or nothing there. They might have done it on some other day, 
but they appeared on Miami Vice during this era. Yes. And um, it was in the same fucking club, but when I was at that show, there were no cameras crew there and shit, which was weird. But uh, yeah, Suicidal, fuck, man. I well, shot yeah. Reagan. This is a great album. Well, I shot well, the when, devil. Yeah. When you saw them, uh, I mean, they were still promoting this album, but that was like two years after this had been released. Cause you're right, Tyson. you're right, you're right, because I saw it was around 85. You are correct. Yeah. That is true. Yeah. That is true. But but uh, Join the Army wasn't out yet. This is all they had. Oh, yeah. Uh, there was a, there was a four, I mean, because the band basically, you know, uh, kind of imploded. And uh, I think they had some label problems, too. They didn't release a follow-up to this till four years later, which back then was an eternity. Oh, yeah. This came out. This came out in '83, and uh, Join the Army didn't come out till '87. And uh, you know, and by the time, not only was it a different band, but a different sound. But this, this to me isn't even a metal album. This is a punk album. Total punk, hardcore. Yeah. Oh yeah, and 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 just great, great lyrics. Uh, oh my God, I want more. Suicidal failure. Oh yeah. Fascist uh, pig, I saw your mommy. Yeah. Memories of I, tomorrow. That song kicks ass. Won't fall in love today. Subliminally. There's yeah. a lot of great songs on this album. I saw your mommy. Oh yeah. Yeah, amazing. And I would definitely tell people to uh stay away from the re recording of this. Yeah, it's uh, still psycho after all these years. Yes, uh, uh horrible. Yeah. Horrible. And 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 I love suicidal tendencies, but uh this album has such passion and such fire, and none of that can be found on the re-recording. Because you know, only the only original member was Mike Muir at that point, and uh, it they just it was a metal band trying to be a punk band, but with you know uh, major label production, and it just it failed in every way. The only thing you know was uh, Mike no longer got because he signed such a bad deal for this album, he gets no residuals from it. And that's, he was trying to get paid for it. That's why and, a lot of bands do that. You know, a lot of people get mad, but the fact is that these bands make no money off these songs that are so historic. Like, you know who did that was uh, Striper did that. Um, Exodus did it. And um, I know there's a few other bands that re-record full albums. Man of War did it. Uh, yeah. And they do it just so they can make money off these songs that are considered their best songs, you know? Yeah. Twisted Sister did it as well. I don't know? know if Twisted Sister did it for that reason, though. I think they did it because they hated the production. Well, well, not only that, but uh, see, they, they went and got the rights back to all their albums from Atlantic, uh -huh. except Stay Hungry. Uh, Atlantic okay. wouldn't... Atlantic wouldn't give that one back because that's the one that sells. Right. They're like, oh, yeah, you could have Come Out and Play and Love is for Suckers and You Can't Kill and Under the Blade. Yeah, here's here's all those. You know, but we're keeping uh, Stay Hungry. You know? So I, I, I think there's always, you know, there's always ulterior motives because it, it makes no sense to do that shit because you'll never recapture that lightning in the bottle. Still Hungry may be the worst. Maybe even worse than that suicidal one. It's so bad. It's just you know, I, I I don't I have it. I, I actually I uh, 
Actually, I won it. I won it on the Eddie Trunk show. And I don't think I listened to it all the way through. I think I started and I was like, this just ain't right. Yeah, it's, this it's, ain't right. it's terrible. It's just so bad. You know, it's like, for all these bands that bitch about Tom Worman, I don't know. I like the fucking album. <laughs> it sounds yeah, good to me. me you know? And, and you know, they re-released the, the actual album. I don't know if you got this. I bought it. Um, they, they really, really stay hungry. The Tom Warman version with a bonus CD with like, no lie, like 40 bonus tracks. And if you listen to stay hungry, the, the, it's super low. I mean, the volume, it's so yeah. low. It's like, what the fuck? De- definitely a glitch. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, you just reminded me. Uh, I got one of the glitched ones. That's the, that's the one that I got. And, uh. Oh, that's right. I didn't get still hungry. I got that that two disc remaster. That's what I got on Eddie Trunk, and I had to send it back to Atlantic, and they sent me a new copy. Oh, really? And it, oh man, I still got mine. Yeah, and, and, but you know, you know what they did though is they they they're so cheap, dude. They just send you the disc. Wow. You 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 have to send them. I believe it's it's the first. Yeah, it's the Tom Worman version. I had to send that, and then they send me back uh, the right disc. Wow. But it's like, fuck, you can't, you can't just give me a whole new product? And they're like, no. <laughs> Nobody's buying this shit but you anyway. Yeah, yeah, I, I do remember that, though. All right. Uh, now, here's a band. I've heard some stuff, but I know you're more familiar with them, and that's Talus. Oh, yeah. Um, live Shit on Ice. Yeah, the live album, Good Shit. Um, that's this is where Shy Boy comes from. Right. Uh, the Daily Roth where David Roth actually bettered it. But no, it's got some great stuff like the song High Speed on Ice. Probably my favorite Talos song. Um, a lot of good shit on, on this live album. Uh, I don't have this live album though, but I've heard it back in the day. I do own Sink Your Teeth into the, that. I do own that one. But uh, yeah, man, some good shit. I mean, it's not like not mind-blowing stuff, but it's not bad. It's actually not bad. Yeah, I did tell. And I knew of this band way before Billy joined Dave. Because when I heard, oh, Billy Sheen and Steve Byer and David Ross Band, I was like, holy fuck shit. You know what I mean? Holy fuck, really? You know, those two? You know, because at that time, you got to remember, Steve Vai was, just did Crossroads. And, right. Uh, and you know the Alcatraz stuff. I was very, I owned Flexible, and so I, I was well aware how amazing he was. And I knew he played right. with Frank Zappa and stuff, but him and Billy Sheen, I knew. And boy, man, my, just what I expected when I heard any of them fly, I was like, wow. You know, you put these two together, you're gonna get that. Right. I don't, I, I don't have uh, this out. What I have is a. Uh, a compilation called Billy Sheen the Talus Years. Yeah, yeah, that's also good too. It's got a lot of that though on there. A yeah, lot of, a could... lot of that live album's on there. Yeah, I, I've, I've listened to some of it, but not all the way through. Uh, I was, I used to work with a guy who was uh, friends with Billy Sheen uh, and Claude Schnell from Dio, because uh, they're both from the Buffalo area, and that's where where he's from, and he knew both of them very well. And, uh, you know, I had nothing but great things to say about both of them. So, real nice guys. Cool. Every interview I've seen with Billy Sheen, he comes across as a real cool dude. I met him. He was super nice. Right on. I met him with the winery dogs. So I, you know, I met him recently. Right. All right. What's next? Uh, 
Alright, next we got the final studio album by a legendary band. Talking about Thin Lizzy and Thunder and Lightning. Oh yeah, we talked, we did an episode on this one. So if you want to know what we think, go check it out. There you go. Great album, by the way. Though. Go buy it, then listen to the episode. Fuck yeah, great album. Alright, now here's a band I'm not that familiar with, and I'll throw it to you, see if you know. I've heard of them. Uh, a new wave of British heavy metal band called Tokyo Blade. Oh yeah, uh, Midnight Rendezvous, right? Uh, no, they released their, their self-titled came out in 83. Okay, yeah. Oh man, I love it, man. Check out the song If Heaven Is Hell. Ooh. Great album, man. Break the Chains, fucking uh, Sunrise in Tokyo. Uh, good shit, Liar, Killer City. Yeah, I own this. I own this and, and the next one, Night of the Blade. Uh, no, Midnight Rendezvous was after this, but... Yeah. Uh, Night of the Blade. I, I own that one as well. I don't have Midnight Rendezvous. But, uh, yeah, great album. I dig it. It's it's awesome, and uh, and check it out. Go check it out. Go, type in If Heaven if heaven Is Hell. Listen to that song. Yeah, it's total British... Total uh, New Wave of British Heavy Metal. At its finest. I, I think I have a New Wave of British Heavy Metal compilation... Uh, that has a Tokyo Blade song, but I can't recall right off hand. Yeah. But uh, I'll take your word for it. Good shit. You'll uh, dig it. Uh, I think you'll dig it. All right. Next one uh, is a band that we recently did an episode on, but not this album. Uh, I'm talking about Triumph and their 83 release, Never Surrender. Yeah. Fucking love this one, too. Too Much Thinking. Uh, all the Ways, my favorite song on there. The title track, When the Lights Go Down, the hit from back then, A World of Fantasy, which was constantly on MTV back then. Yeah, it's a solid album. This is, uh, well, no, Thunder 7 was pretty good, too, but this was probably their last really, really, really good one, in my opinion. But, uh, yeah, I love uh, Never Surrender. Saw this tour. Molly Hatchet opened. Um, no shit. Yeah, and we were talking about him earlier. It was on that tour. Uh, no Guts, No Glory. I saw him in 83 with Molly Hatcher. Huh. And, and I, I'm looking at the song titles on this one. I don't know. And I used to have a Triumph Greatest Hits, but I don't know if I know any of these songs. Well, I'm sure Never Surrender made the Greatest Hits. And When the Lights Go Down. And World of Fantasy. Those three must be on the Greatest Hits. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I used to have that on cassette. I don't have it anymore, but... Uh, but I'll have to check that out. I know I've got this on a, on a digital copy. I'll have to go back and check that one out. This was, at that time, the first Triumph album that had actually a good song open the album. Because uh, <laughs> every album before this, I never liked the opening track. Too Much Thinking is a rocking tune. That, that one kicks out. So, yeah, I dig this album. It's great. All right. Well, the next album is another album that we've reviewed. And that's the second studio album by Twisted Sister, You Can't Stop Rock and Roll. Oh, yeah. Great album, and go check out what we say. Now, what would you say, which do you prefer, Under the Blade or You Can't Kill Rock and Roll? You Can't Stop Rock and Roll, definitely. You Can't um, Stop Rock and Roll. I, I love Under the Blade. I don't have a problem with it, but I never liked the bad boy of rock and roll. I always found <laughs> that, that kind of weak. And uh, But, you know, the rest of it's good, but it, it doesn't really... I mean, if it was produced as good as You Can't Stop Rock and Roll, I may have liked it more. <laughs> you Can't Stop Rock and Roll is one of those albums where, 
from beginning to end, I love every fucking song on it. And it's the first album I got from Twist Sister. Do, do you have the uh, the remix that they put out of uh, Under the Blade? Yeah, and and a funny thing about that was that was released in 19... right after uh, um, uh, Stay Hungry. Right. Um, and I... Yes, I bought it back then, but I already owned... I owned Under the Blade, the secret version, on cassette, and I ended up finding it on record... Uh, I think before. Yeah, I think I had... Yes, I did. Definitely had it before. I first got it on cassette. Uh, my friend had it. And uh, I traded him. I forgot what. For it. And, uh, and and then I found it on vinyl. And then when they re-released it, Atlantic recorded Tell you the truth, dude. I, and Mark Mendoza was the one that produced it. And, uh, and Mark Mendoza also sits uh, uh, still hungry, but... Man, Mark Mendoza did a great job on the Under the Blade remaster. I loved it. I loved it. I thought it was great. Right on. But yeah, my favorite still, You Can't Stop Rock and Roll. I'll never forget, it was MTV. Uh, they had a little commercial where they showed a little clip of You Can't Stop Rock and Roll. I was like, who the fuck are these guys? Then finally I saw the video and I was like, oh, I need to, I need to check these guys out. And, Boy, man, I remember, man, into, yeah, I guess even to the, nah, I wouldn't say, nah, I would say today my favorite song on that album is the title track, but back then, dude, just like a knife in the back, that song was like everything to me. Oh, I love that one. Yeah, that song just fucking rules. Yeah, I love it. Love Twisted Sister. I love the Twisted Sister, period. And they just played their final show. Awesome. All right. Well, the next one we go to is another one I think I've heard once. Can't really remember it. But you know who really loves this album? Is uh, Ruben De La Rosa. You love I, that guy. I love that guy. And he loves this album. I'm talking about Vandenberg's Heading for a Storm. Oh, I love it too. Fuck yeah. That's a great album. Uh, not as good as the first album, but shit, this is war. Great, beautiful ballad called Different Worlds, which they made a video for. A real terrible video for a song called Friday Night, um, which I don't really like that song too much. But yeah, it's got some great tracks. Welcome to the Club, um, title track, Rock On, Waiting for the Night. Good shit. I dig it. Heading for the Storm's great. Great album. Great band. Right great band. Oh. I liked all three of them. Alibi. They only made three albums and. But my, but the first one's the best. Definitely. Would the is it like AOR? Kind yeah, of stuff? kind of a little a little edgier, but yeah, it does have kind of like that. You know what, dude? I, I'll save you the trouble. I don't think you'd like them. I don't I don't think I can't I can't take you as a uh, I don't think you're a Vandenberg type guy. Yeah. But I, you I know, have, if you are gonna check it out, check out the first album. The first one. Okay. Yeah. All right. Our next album is... Ooh, now this is one... I don't know how familiar you are, but I definitely love this album. Uh, the second studio album by Witchfinder General. Yeah, no, Friends, I don't know much. Friends of Hell. Uh, man, just... It, it's kind of like Black Sabbath meets New Wave of British Heavy Metal. Uh, very Doom, like, lo-fi production. Uh especially their first two, they would lighten their sound up a little bit. Um, 
and it wasn't quite as good. Uh, but Death Penalty and Friends of Hell, I definitely recommend. Uh, Love on Smack, I've, I've played that uh, on my radio show multiple times. And uh, Quietus, uh, that I just played the other week, was a request. Uh, I dig it. If you're, if you're into, like, uh, you know, doomy, new wave of British heavy metal, definitely check out uh, Witchfinder General, and particularly the first two albums, Friends of Hell and Death Penalty. All right. Now, the next one is a band that, you know, I always say I'm going to go back and listen to. Uh, because I don't see what all the fuss is about, but a lot of people seem to like them. But that's Y&T, and their album Mean Street was released in 1983. Oh, man, and, I love that album. And I started listening, I actually, I was listening to this right when you uh, texted me today about recording, because I was trying to get familiar with some of these albums that I wasn't as familiar with. And uh, not bad. I mean, like I said before, my favorite Y&T song uh, a lot of people hate uh, is Contagious. Uh, yeah, and and I really I like that one a lot, but I know it's not representative of their sound. The one I really, really hate is Summertime Girls. Yeah, oh, do I hate that Yeah, song. same here. I hate it, too. And but, I, uh, unfortunately, it's like their biggest hit, too. Right. Now, I know uh, like, you know, everybody talks about Mean Streak and Black Tiger at Earthshaker, you know, they're like, oh, check those out. They're the more metal ones. Yes. It's still, there's just something about uh, Manichetti that reminds me of Sammy Hagar. Really? Yeah, and, and uh, you know, I, I, I don't hate this guy like I hate Sammy Hagar, but to me, there's just, you know, and I admit he's got a, you know, he's got a strong voice. You know, and I hear he's an incredible guitar player, uh, you know, uh, live and everything, and on record. But I don't know, there's just something a little, little cheesy. I don't know. Maybe I should go back because I've got all the. I need to check like uh, when they were yesterday and today. See maybe if I like the '70s shit. If he sounds a little bit different then. Yeah, it's, know, a, just it's something... a little more hard rocky. Those I, I own a I own I own the second album. I forgot the name of it. But uh, I love Bean Street, man. Fucking the title track, uh, Hang 'Em High, kicks ass, and Midnight in Tokyo, Lonely Side of Town. Good, good shit. I dig this album a lot. Uh, I believe it was my first Y&T album. Uh, the first time I ever heard Y&T was the song Mean Street, the video. Another terrible video that fucking rules. Good shit. Right on. Out the yeah, it wasn't a bad song. Like I said, there's just something. I don't know. I, I, can't, I can't put my thumb on it, but it kind of... I I don't know. I don't want to say anything bad, but it's just not my bag so far. Yeah, All right. And, uh, well, we... Rest in peace, Leonard Hayes and Joey Alves. That, I mean, not yes. Joey. Phil Kenmore. Yeah, Phil uh, Kenmore. They're both uh, gone. And Leonard Hayes, we just lost, uh, like, last month, right? Or two months yeah. ago? Yeah, I think it was about a month ago or so. What a shame. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, that brings us to our last album. Wow. Uh, but definitely, uh, definitely a classic, but still an underground band. And they're from where I live, New Orleans, even though they would make their bones when they moved to New York. But I'm talking about Zebra. 
Oh, uh, which one? The first album? Yep, the first album. Yeah, I own this one. And you know what? It did, uh, believe it or not, at the time it was released, the, there's a song on there called Who's Behind the Door that was a big hit on MTV, actually. Yeah, yeah, I've seen the, another horrible video, too. Yeah, very <laughs> bad, but uh, my favorite is the other hit. Uh, Tell me Tell which me one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I dig Vivo, man. They just played here like a couple, like a month ago, and I missed it. No, it was like a week ago. Yeah, and they're definitely more like uh, I would say the hard rock, uh, you know, than metal. Yeah. But uh, but really, really good. If you like early '80s rock, uh, you're definitely not going to go wrong with this album. Now, this is the only one I'm familiar with. Uh, you know, I, I I know they they have a few others, but uh, uh, I, I I dig it. What do you think? Uh, yeah, you know what? I own it, but I. I... Something I don't listen to much, so I really can't really, I don't know, man. There's certain albums I own, like on vinyl, because, you know, Zebra is one of those many albums that I find for a buck somewhere, you know, uh, as of uh, the last five years. I buy these albums, I throw it on my turntable, listen to it once, and never put it back on, so uh, I can't really give you a fair uh, review of this one, but I love Tell Me What You Want. And another terrible video, too, that's worth checking out that rules. Right on. All right. Well, even though we're done with the albums, we do have some other topics that we can talk about. And one of those is bands that were formed in 1983. And there was certainly a good amount of those. And I'll run through the list. Alcatraz. Uh, I know you like it, Ralph. Love me some Alcatraz. What about Atrocity? Atrocity. No, I don't know who that is. Me neither. Autograph. <laughs> Terrible. I saw them over for Van Halen '84 tour. Yeah, I, I I love turn up the radio, but that's the only thing I know by them. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Bathory. Some black metal starting back in 1983. Good shit. Good shit. I did I did the Bathory. It's a one man thing. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah, it's a one-man band. They didn't, they didn't tour or anything. Ah. Bon Jovi. <laughs> Started in 1983, unfortunately. Ooh. And so did Death. I didn't know they... Wow. Well, I, didn't know I, that well, I, think, I think they were called Mantis back then, though. Ah. Yeah. I don't think they were called Death yet. Ah. Okay, another uh, punk crossover band... Excel started, but they started out, and they even have a notation here that they were known as Chaotic Noise until '85, and then they changed to Excel. And uh, their guitar player would go on to uh, play with Infectious Grooves and uh, Suicidal Tendencies. Uh, Fastway started in 1983, and man, talk about a band! Who, you know, if you could have held that that first lineup together, man, I think they. They could have done something, man, because that, that was a real special lineup. Yeah, we talked about it on last uh, week's episode, in case you missed it. That's right. Fate's Warning. Are, are you a Fate's Warning fan? I love Fate's Warning, though they kind of lost me after No Exit. But, man, that first two albums uh, with John Arch is fucking phenomenal. And No Exit, too, man. Ray Alder's great, too. But, yeah, I'm a big fan of early Fate's Warning, yeah. Right on. Well, thank God this was short-lived, and I think you said you have this. 
HSAS was started in 1983, and yeah, fortunately, know. it ended. Uh, Halloween started in 1983. I did not know that. Yep, and also Keel started in 1983. Living Col- Living Color. I didn't know they were around that long. Wow. Wow. Uh, Lizzie Borden and a band called Master. I'm not familiar with them. Are you? Yes, Master was. Um... That's a little... They were ahead of their time. Kind of like a very heavy shit. Yeah. If it's the same uh, band I'm thinking of. Alrighty. Uh, another black metal band, Mayhem. Wow. They started way back then? Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Uh, Megadeth. Mm. Mor- Morbid Angel. Interesting. Uh, another band you love, Onslaught. Oh, yeah. I love that. <laughs> Poison, <laughs> uh, yeah. Possessed, another important band in the, uh, you know, death and, and uh, thrash and black metal scene. Uh, Rigor Mortis, and another a, a very underrated band from Texas. Definitely, awesome. Yes, band. yes. Definitely check out some Rigor Mortis. Big fan of them. Uh, another band. I think you like these guys, and they have a, a very big European following, and that's uh, Sabat. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's two Sabats. There's one from Japan, and there's one from uh, England. Which one's that one? Oh, shit. I did not know that. Uh, I just clicked on it. This is the one from Japan. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's two Sabats. And they're both great. I did not know that. They're both great. And they're a Japanese black metal band. Wow. Yeah, well, yeah, kind of, yeah. All right. uh, Sacrifice. Not familiar with them? Yeah, I am. They're good. Uh, it's very heavy shit too. All right, Striper was formed in 1983. Hell yeah! Thank you, God. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, Testament, although they were known as Legacy until 1986. Uh, the aforementioned Tokyo Blade, Vader. Wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah. A Polish death metal band. Yeah, no, I've I heard mean, of them. I, but I've I know heard. Vader. I filmed Vader. Right. Yeah, they're hilarious live. I mean, the singer's like, uh, this next song is very beautiful. Let me hear you. The guy was like, no life on stage, but then they go into this most brutal shit. I love Vader. I mean, they, they lost me, but they have a lot of EPs out that I really did. One of my favorite of the death metal bands. Good shit. How cool would it be if he told Pollock jokes in between songs? <laughs> All right, uh, and lastly, ugh, White Lion. Yeah. All right, now let's see. Where there's also some events for 1983. The Us Festival. Uh, yeah. I yep, remember. Yes. The, I remember the Us Festival in 1983. They were broadcasting it on the radio, and I was like, God, I wish I was there. Yeah. And uh, Dave Mustaine fired from Metallica for his drug and alcohol abuse and is replaced by Exodus guitarist Kirk Hammond. It also leads to the, to the formation of Megadeth. Uh, Kiss stopped using their makeup. Yeah. Yeah. And Quiet Riot went all the way to number five on the Hot 100 with Come On, Feel the Noise, the, high, the highest charting for a, for a hard rock band at that time. And uh, let's see, that's about it. Oh, uh, Mountain bassist and cream producer 
Felix Papillardi was shot and killed by his wife. Wow. So, yeah, that happened too. Well, that is our review of 1983. And, you know, some of these albums we have done full-blown reviews on. Some we might do in the future. But we're just hoping to turn you guys on to, you know, some different stuff, maybe some lesser-known stuff. And hopefully with the little snippets that the doctor adds to the show, you can hear these bands and see if it's something you want to check out. Uh, I'm, I'm sure this is something we're going to do again in the future. And uh, I don't know if you have a pick of the week, but we should pick something from 83 from the list we gave. What, what album out of all this would you like people to check out that's kind of obscure? Man, I, uh, I know a few, man. I know a few, but I'm gonna have to pick yeah. the best one. You want me to go uh, first while you overlook the list? Because I yeah, remember. you go. Yeah, you go. Ahead. I, I was talking. I was praising Oz, Fire in the Brain, which I love so much. But I'm gonna have to give the edge to Satan, Courtney Act. Out of all those albums, the, the, it's the most. It's the one that a lot, a lot of people know as well. So uh, that one is my pick, uh, Satan. Court in the act, but man, Oz firing the brains a close second. Great, great one. Uh, and mine would be uh, from Canada, Exciter with Heavy Metal Maniac. Oh, uh, good pick. You know, I, I think that's one. You know, and a lot of these, you know, all this shit's on YouTube. You know, you can check out a few songs, see if you get into it before you buy it. But uh, yeah, Exciter, great, great underrated Canadian band. I really dig them. That's my pick of the week. Awesome. All right, well, now it's time for Fan of the Week. And uh, Fan of the Week this week is Evan Siegel. And uh, Evan's a little bit newer to the page, uh, at least at least to me. But, man, he's been posting like gangbusters, uh, all kinds of cool posts, been doing polls as well. Uh, as a matter of fact, the day we're recording this, he's got one up for the best thrash album of 86. And, uh, man, that's what we always stress for, man. Be part of the page not just a wallflower, you know, make this page your page as well as ours, and please spread the word of the show. Evan Siegel, you are our fan of the week. Cool guy. He's on my Facebook page, and he, and he leaves me many comments. He's a good guy. Like, every right time on. I post something, he's right there. I, I believe he listens. He goes in the chat room, too. Yes. Yeah, All he right. was actually Kevin Warhouse fan of the week once. Yes, he was. He does go in my chat room. All right, then let's go into the plugs. Listen to The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Go to all the W's, Gully, G-U-L-L-Y-A-N-D-J-O-A dot U-K. 8 p.m. U-K time, 3 p.m. Eastern. The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Listen to it. Don't be a cunt. Ear Pillar, the podcasting and interview news site. To keep up with your favorite bands or artists and the podcasts or interviews where they appear, go to earpillar.com to find out what we're all about. You haven't listened to Mars Attacks podcast? What are you waiting for, man? Host Victor M. Ruiz brings you all types of hard rock and metal-based podcasts. You'll find everything from music-based episodes, interviews, to series such as ultra-sexy classic album series, where some of your favorite musicians, producers, journalists, and show hosts comments on the albums that push the evolutionary chains of hard rock and metal. Get with it and go to MarsAttacksRadio.com to find out more. All right, KISS Army. Since 2007, you've been getting PodKissed, the KISS audio fanzine for your ears. 
That's right, it's your podcast. Every month, the podcast crew, along with the Kiss Room, brings you Kiss Talk like no one else, whether it be roundtables, interviews with the band past and present, analysis, and great Kiss fun. Hi, this is Ace Frehley, and you're listening to Podkiss. Hi, this is Bruce Kulick, and you're listening to Podkiss. The Podkiss, the Kiss audio fanzine for your ears. Hey everybody, I'm Aaron. And I'm Chris. And we're from the Decibel Geek Podcast. And if you love this... Then you'll love us. That's right. Brand new episode every single Monday. You can find us on iTunes and at decibelgeek.com. And the best thing is, it's rock and roll and it's always free. Music's most diverse podcast, starring Luke Innes, Greg Simp Bootlegs, and Mr. T from Germany. New episodes released every Saturday on Podbean, Podcast Addicts, and iTunes. The True Alternative Podcast. Have you developed paralysis from trying to choose a movie on Netflix? Of course you have. There's too much garbage on Netflix to sift through. So join us on our podcast, We Watched It For You. We watch a bad movie every week and try to determine its watchability. We Watched It For You is for bad movie fans, B-movie fans, underground film fans, and cult movie fanatics alike. Don't miss an episode of We Watched It For You, a guide to the lesser-known movies of Netflix, available on iTunes or wherever you download your podcast. All right, well, then, love this year in review. Come back next week when we predict the future, and we'll tell you the greatest albums that are coming out in 2017. We already know what it's going to be. And we got we got somebody, a special guest from 1983 that's going to join us. Who's that? Rick Allen's arm. Oh, I, I would do the ba-da-ba. But that takes two arms. Yeah, I know. That's true. That's next week on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. <laughs>